Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Guts Racing. Andy Gregg over at Guts Racing, amazing dude with an amazing company that create unbelievable product. On top of that, you'll find that their customer service is second to none. Great stuff over there, and you can save yourself some money as well by entering discount code BIGMX20 at checkout to save yourself 20%. WSA, all things wheels. John Anderson, Kristen Anderson over there. Honestly, great people, and I can't say enough good thing about their product. Fantastic wheels, and on top of that, you can just go ahead and buy yourself a set of spokes, set of rims, or even grab yourself some hubs right off the website. And when you order through W, if you mention Big MX Radio, you're also going to save yourself 10%. You can save 30% with Faction Supply with discount code BigMXRadio at checkout. All one word, BigMXRadio, save yourself 30% on Faction Supply. They've got some really cool duds to make you looking really cool when you're uh, you're in the pits or just some awesome casual wear. But they also have gloves that you as well as I know. Gloves are really tough to really dial in and, and find your perfect set of pair of gloves. In fact, there's a lot of guys out there who will wear the same pair of gloves for basically as long as they possibly can. That's, the, that's exactly what the situation you'll run into with Faction Supply. They have really cool colors and the gloves themselves, they just work. Also on board with us is Epoxyit. If you're in Southern California and you need a brand new floor, get your floor redone by our friends over at Epoxyit. They do amazing work, they work extremely fast, and the product is always incredible when it's done. You're gonna really have you're gonna be really happy with the finished product when you call up Epoxyit. Also on board with us as a brand new sponsor, I am pleased and proud to say that we are on board with Maple Ridge Motorsports. Maple Ridge Motorsports. Maple Ridge Motorsports, located in Maple Ridge, British Columbia, is your one-stop shop for all things moto, and they are your family fun store. Go check them out online or go in and meet their friendly staff today. Go check those guys out. Unbelievable organization. Can't say enough good things about Sandra as well as Troy and their son Devin and Maddie over there as well. They are all amazing people, and if you're looking for something for your motocross bike or body, they probably have it. Go check out Maple Ridge More Sports today. All right, now let's get on with the podcast. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Supercross preview show, pregame show with me, your host, Brad Gebhardt. Thank you so much for watching, letting some people file in here on the YouTube live. Like I said, I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, the, the usual suspects, we've had them on the show a number of times before. He leaves without a trace. He came here tonight to get on Denny's case. Chris Riesenberg from airwheelies.com as well as Racetech. What is going on, checkers? I'm just excited to get back to the West Coast. It seems like forever since we've seen those guys. Um, so I had to refresh my memory a little bit, and I'm guessing that we'll get into some conversations tonight that you guys will point some stuff out that I also didn't remember. So it should be a really fun show tonight. I'm looking forward to it. He got himself a brand new haircut, but he did. It does seem like he lost a bet in the process. Denny Stevenson, welcome back to the show. Hello, my friends. Uh, excited to be here. Always enjoy you two's company. Always enjoy talking to you two. Bringing a new, fresh uh, style to our pregame. Seattle, like Checker said, we're going West Coast and um, tons of stuff to talk about. From the East last week to uh, Plessinger to Detroit to, man, what Supercross is the shit and we love it and we are cracking it right now. 
Absolutely. We're going to take a look back. We're going to look forward to the race. But before that, uh, we need to do the Race Tech Rapid Recap. And before we do that, we need to have a little, a little sponsor read from our friends over at Race Tech. When you're a top five supercross guy, when you're when when a top five supercross guy believes so much in the product in the product that he races with, he turns that into a business after racing. It must be that good. Dial in your suspension with Chris Blows, tuned with Phoenix Suspension down there in Arizona. Once he's done uh, racing supercross, you can dollars to donuts. He, you know he'll be tuning some people in. Uh, so check out Phoenix suspension online as well as all the things that racetech has to offer and just so you know every time that he works on suspension he always uses racetech gold valves and settings and now checkers from racetech that's right for this racetech rewind we're gonna look back on detroit with the smooth like rt suspension recap <laughs> energy and also check it out at monster energy and in monster energy supercross six the game or whatever so much monsters so little yes. time <laughs> yeah they're all jacked up on monsters i guess but anyway yeah, speaking of be. monster monster energy rider sexton wins and is eliminated from championship contention even when he wins sexton <laughs> loses denny what what the heck the dude just can't get it done or can't win i mean but he got it done but he couldn't get it done Man, he rode, I think we can all agree, Chase rode his ass off, man. He passed the best. He went to the pack. He got to the lead. Well, he got to second. Before, before we heard the crowd scream. Uh, and uh, and then, obviously, the uh, the devastation that was Aaron Plessinger uh, hitting the deck. But uh, you and I, you, you had the best comment this week when we were on text thread when you said, yeah, that, you know, Chase wins, yet in the process, loses points. And it's, uh, you know, as soon as he – did it. We were watching. I, was sitting, uh, I just flew in from Arizona uh, from family, uh, dropped Riley off, my son off in his car. Uh, my dad had picked us up, ran back to the house, sat down, started catching up on everything. And man, what a crazy evening. You know, I mean, um, God, Chase, uh, I, like I said, I was sitting on the couch and I, I saw the red flags come out, red cross flag. Uh, I saw him roll to the rhythm section and I saw him seat bounce that huge double. And I, I tweeted about it. And I'm like, man, did anyone else see that? I, I guarantee this is, might be something of, of concern. And um, I didn't know the rule book. I wasn't even trying to argue it because I didn't know at the time checkers and I were arguing just because we like to argue on text thread. But uh, apparently the, 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 the red lights were flashing. Um, they were in a red uh, top block as it turned out. I, I heard from Grant Harlan. It's very hard to see that. But he sat, seat bounced it. And then even his later interview, he kind of explained the fact that he went past Dean Wilson and he felt like the track was clear and I'm going to do what I want to do and we'll see what happens. And I, it just goes back to the fact that I think Chase, once again, whether that be a crash or jumping on a red cross flag, um, shit the bed. You know, he's, he, he just went from 13 points down to, uh, got a million pause with his team, but he is, uh, slowly as it has eliminated himself from the title of contention. And, and what a shame, because even though I kind of folded last week and said, if he wins this week, he's going to be back in it. And uh, he went out and did it on the motorcycle and then lost more points. So, um, wow. I, this is one thing that, uh, we, we, we all look back at our racing careers, no matter how, what level we always had it. And he will look upon this day and, and, and with, with a little bit of regret, I believe, because those seven points will haunt him until he, uh, until he is dead in the grave. Yeah. Pretty gnarly penalty, right? Because if he was in say sixth place, when it's my one point between positions, it ends up being a four point penalty, but because of being in the lead and the points gaps, the way that the rules written is, 
is pretty um, pretty severe, that's for sure. But at the same point, at least he got across the finish line in first, and maybe there's some mental mental uh, stuff coming there that'll help him. So we'll see. We have some outdoor venues left, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the show of whether he is really eliminated or not. I mean, it's a pretty outside shot. Um, being outside shot, I think it was outside of a lot of people's ideas that Aaron Plessinger would just take off and be running up front and upset alert. March Madness meets Supercross as AP wins. Almost. Heartbreaker for the Cowboy. Brad, I think everybody um, was pretty bummed. I, don't, I haven't seen anybody really celebrating, not even, well, except Chase Sexton until his penalty, maybe. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like just to go back on the, the Chase thing, like winning when like you inherit the lead off of a crash, like like I, it's still got to feel good. Obviously winning a supercross is never a bad thing, uh, but it's got to kind of feel like kissing your sister a little bit. Like it's, it's the, the way you, the, it's not the way you dream it up by, by any means. Um, and I think the, the entire motocross industry, their hearts pour out for Aaron Plessinger uh, for a number of reasons. And the fact that he's really become a, uh, a fan favorite, somebody who a lot of people have uh, grown really close to is just the way he ca- carries himself. He's a hard on his sleeve guy. He's he's a, as red, white and blue uh, as American can get. And uh, people just rally around that stuff. And he's very, very genuine. Every time that I've spoken with him, he is um, like he's a hard on his sleeve guy. And you can totally tell that in the way he carries himself. Um, and you know what? I hope that he gets one. I don't really cheer for a lot of guys, but I, I love to see good things happen to good people. And Aaron Plessinger is extremely good people. And I, I would love to see him get one. Uh, I would hate to, uh, at the end of his career, look back and say, uh, this was the one opportunity where he really had this one dead to rights. And it was a, it was a gimme, um, because there's a lot of guys and the list is long of guys who'd never ended up getting it done, uh, whether they had a long career or an injury riddled career. I think of a guy like uh, like Tim Ferry, like if I think I'd say if you ask most people who watched that era and you, you quiz them whether or not he got a Supercross win, he, they'd probably tell you. Yeah. Or or even a guy like uh, Guy Cooper, who like at, he led a lot of laps, but he still doesn't have a, a win yet. Even Adam Cien Cerullo, like these are guys who like. It's winning a Supercross after being a, a, a one twenty five champion is is no guarantee, uh, and he he's led a lot of laps now, and and he's he's gonna be uh, it'll be in tough to win another one because the the rest of those guys uh, they go super fast and uh, they're injecting even more skill and speed into the class next year with at least one of the Lawrences for sure being there. So uh, I was sad to see it, um, but honestly, uh, I I he showed an amazing amount of mental and physical toughness to be able to choke back those tears and uh, and give that amazing speech at the end of the night where he was able to uh, um, just, yeah, just just like work through it. And then by the end, he, like he had almost like in it, you could literally see it in his in his uh, his mannerisms that he had like got, almost gotten past it for a minute there and um, and was able to to move forward. And he's, he's, he's on to he's on to Seattle, a track where he's done quite well at last uh, last time we saw him there on a 250. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, Supercrust. Uh, oh, go ahead, Daddy. We 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 talk about you know we we bust a lot of chops on the show and everything and uh and I you know I I've, I've been out there you know to to get a four fifty two fifty Supercross win is uh is monumental. You mean uh, what uh, Brad just said is is so true. There's so many great incredible riders with incredible careers who 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 never had that and and it it didn't even take unique circumstances for 
for AP to get this possible win. Like he rode away from the best guys. The best guys started right behind him and he just fucking took off. And to, uh, to listen to him explain the fact that he sat seat bounced every time to that inside rut over that jump. And then that lap for some reason decided to stand up. And uh, I mean, the simple grabbing of the foot off the foot peg. I think we've all dealt with it, whether you're a local rider uh, at, at every size bike, I think uh, we've all kind of seen that and had to, had to deal with it. So uh, very well said, Brad. Yeah, that, that uh, it's something that he, uh, I think he, he can rebound from because he, again, it was not a unique circumstance that he pissed away. Like he, he proved he had the speed. He shoot, proved he had the skill. He wheelied away from the best guys. And um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how he rebounds here in Seattle. So well done, Brad. Exactly. Well, I tell you what, the, you know, that we joke sometimes about Supercross being scripted and what better script than the guy bouncing back at a mud race in Seattle, potentially, and grabbing that win as he's pretty good if it's if it becomes muddy. Um, And, you know, who's probably the second best mud rider in the field is Justin Barsha and Bam Bam is for real, but can't bang his way onto the podium. Barsha was really fast again for the third week in a row. Um, Danny, what do you think about Barsha and his performance? Well, we talked about the track, you know, I think earlier that we felt the track was pretty basic. Um, you know, uh, you could tell that when you do qualifying times and you got, you know, 10 guys all within a second of each other. And we really weren't sure how that thing was going to play out. But, you know, I remember an old track, uh, I think 2017, maybe it was Minneapolis, where the track's, you know, pretty similar. So, but in the end, it makes very good racing, as we saw in uh, in uh, this last weekend. Um it was crazy to see the fact that, you know, we saw Eli move to the front and then we saw a band move the front and we saw Webb move the front. And then it, uh, the littlest thing of somebody get moved out of the way, let like a free freight train of two or three guys back past you. And then you have to start all over. And I think that was a big thing that allowed uh, Aaron to get away as well, because he was out front running his own lap times while the best in the crowd as well were battling each other. They were moving each other away, making mistakes, uh, protecting each other's inside lines. And, um, you know, I think when we thought Eli got to second, you know, up past there, that we were, he was going to be good. I thought we thought then Bam got up there and uh, they just kept kind of moving each other out of the way. And little we know that Cooper Webb, man, the machine that he is, he's the one who became the cream of the crop. Well, obviously Chase had, but uh, after the penalty, it was Cooper Webb who left there with the most points, with 23 points. And uh, the guy's a machine. Uh, Tomac's only two, uh, three points back now. And I think we're down to a two rider battle, but little do we know that such a basic track was going to provide such a, a great night of racing. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I still don't, th- I don't like the type of racing that the track pre- presents because it's really just waiting for mistakes and it's kind of a freight train. Um, luckily we just had some exciting stuff going on in the main events because of riders making mistakes and that side of things to really uh, mix things up. But I mean, those first few heat races, especially it was, it was definitely a freight train. Um, around it but it just goes to show how exciting supercross in in general and like the storylines are in general that even on a track that maybe doesn't provide a lot of passing options there still was good it was exciting it was great entertainment so um i mean all the way down to the the end there in the in the 250 class like they did a good job of of showing that storyline as well of the the top five and the fading blows thing and we'll get to that i'm sure but um you did mention eli tomac and we had talked like Alito's back a little bit, or at least I did and predicted it. And, and you were kind of, I think, on the fence maybe with it. But I don't think Alito or Eli showed up in Detroit. It wasn't dominant Eli, but it definitely was. I mean, it was a podium. It wasn't like an Alito Mack ride. Um, Tomac cruised to a podium, which it wouldn't have been a podium if AP didn't crash. It was just a quiet night, but it wasn't a bad performance. 
what are your thoughts on that? We're gonna come right back to you with this one, Danny, um, on Eli. Man, it was kind of weird. Uh, you're totally correct. I think, uh, I definitely don't think Alito's back, but you know, in, in track results, he, he, he could easily been a fourth. I mean, yeah, he got shuffled. He shuffled forward. He got shuffled back and had nothing to, uh, to defend that with. And that's kind of what we, we haven't seen that, but also we have, we saw a little bit of that in Indy when he had his uncomfortable neck or whatever he dealt with, uh, when he flew out there and, and couldn't get fixed. And then, I thought we were going to start seeing true elite Eli in Detroit. He moved himself to the front, you know, in the second or so. And then, uh, and then, so and then got worked. He got worked by uh, chase, got worked by Cooper. And those are his main guys in this class. And, and it's just great to see Barsha being a part of this group now. Cause I, I think he's always felt like he belonged and, and he's riding smarter. He's riding uh, more fluid with everybody, but yeah, Eli is, uh, he could have easily been fourth, got a gift from Aaron, got a gift from Chase's penalty. And that we know he is, he leaves uh, Detroit second, uh, second from the racing points with 21 points and only loses two points to Cooper. So um, I think it's time for him to start kind of reemerging. Obviously he's just won two weeks ago and he's only three points back. And we, uh, we, we it's not time to quite hit the panic button with Tomac, but um, I think that he, he needs to kind of reassert himself as, as the, as the reigning champion and uh, get that red plate back. What do you think, Brad? Well, uh, one thing that I think gets a little bit lost in this uh, is the fact that they didn't take a win away from Chase Sexton. And why that's important is that if you take the win away from Chase Sexton, somebody has to win and then they would award it to the next place rider, which would be Cooper Webb. And then you'd have KTM petitioning the AMA to award him the 26 points, uh, which would be an extra point difference between him and Eli on this particular event. So we'd be rolling into Seattle with a four point split, not a... Uh, not a, a two point, a three point split, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but every point counts in, in a race like this, as well as the fact that you would have awarded Cooper Webb 26 points instead of 22, which would be an extra three points over on top of Chase. So Ch Chase would actually be 20 points down instead of 17 points down, which makes his current situation even worse. Um, I like what, uh, what ended up getting done with the whole thing. Uh, honestly, like this was this like you guys are right. This wasn't Eli Tomac. This wasn't Elito Mac. This was Eli Tomac with a white number plate, which is a really weird thing to see. I, like it's something I feel like we haven't seen that since he was on two fifties. Um, and uh, like see, we were doing black plates back then, but we're regardless. <laughs> honestly, it it was really it was just weird to see. And like honestly, like the fact that he passed Cooper Webb and then Cooper Webb was able to get back to him really tells me that he wasn't at the height of his powers. Um, but it wasn't one of those like weirdo eight, eighth place rides that we've seen him have in the past. So, um, I think what we really saw was the best that he had on that particular night, which wasn't a hundred percent Eli. Um, but he was still able to sort of, um, mitigate the damages, move forward. And I don't think Eli Tomac is worried about being three points down whatsoever. You can nullify that in one great weekend at the track. Uh, and we all know that he is damn good at a place like Seattle where uh, he's going to get a good start. He's going to be able to put a pipe, the bike where he wants to put it. And uh, I, I, I'm pretty optimistic about him being able to bounce back at Seattle. And then this other place called, uh, oh, uh, Glendale, Arizona, where he is an absolute god. For sure. Definitely um, interesting the way that the season has gone is Eli started it stronger than he's ever started a season. And usually now is when, when he's laying the hammer down on everybody. Um, and he's, I mean, he's still in this thing, you know, absolutely in it. And those guys better watch out because as soon as they think they're getting comfortable, I mean, we're going to Seattle where he's also really good. Um, and then we're also going to a speedway, which he's proved good. 
So definitely no panic for Tomac. The other thing that you pointed out about not taking the win away is if for some crazy event, which is not surprising with the title being this close, if we come into a tiebreaker situation, the win is a tiebreaker. The announced that first tiebreaker is most wins. So um, for Webb not to notch that column and for Sexton to notch it is important for both of them um, if we get down to that. So let's shift gears down to the 250 class where, I mean, probably there's (laughs) for the, as far as the wins concerned, it's more talking about the way that, the media is handling stuff. Um, the Jet brothers reach all-time status in Detroit. Hunter tells the media it isn't right to compare himself to champions after dominating victory. Um, There's one champion have, between the two of them. It may have been the uh, worst performance ever from Dan Hubbard, and I'm very hard on him anyways. Um, between the, the Jet brothers' I like comments. Dan. I feel and, bad for Dan. Well, he yeah, might Dan's be a very, very nice person, but I... He's very, very nice. I feel... I wish he was better. That question to Hunter to start the press conference was absolutely disgusting and terrible. But you, anyways, one of you guys can take it away. I have it set up for you, Brad, but um, telling Hunter he's one of the best ever without a title is is unreal. That's ludicrous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he has two more wins than Denny does. And um, honestly, like, yeah, uh, he has to, he would basically have to win out the rest of the year and then still have a decent year next year in order to pass James for all time wins. And uh, for all intents and purposes, James probably should have had three titles, not two, uh, including one year, which happened to be a perfect season. And let's also not forget the fact that uh, uh, Ricky Carmichael only has one title in that class because he decided to only race that series for two years. Um, it's absolutely ludicrous uh, to be able to say that. Honestly, like the thing I like, I, I, I like I said, I like Dan. Uh, Dan didn't follow the sport or at least not very closely in the nineties, I'm sure. Uh, so he's completely unaware of all the, the sort of nuances that is 250 Supercross. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's his effort to sort of like just hype everything up. And that's, that's something that um, like, the supercross that that's so on brand for them to 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 promote first and foremost the cool things that are happening right now and do they cross the line on some of that stuff sometimes absolutely um but at the same time they're that's why they call it a a race promoter a promoter is they have to promote what's going on right now uh as well as like the, the whole circus around it um by it by no means was that an accurate statement by him and i'm sure if he had another chance to to, to uh to go about that he w- he wouldn't go about he wouldn't say it that way uh i think sometimes uh like even like it, it kind of blows my mind that like even guys like uh jet and and hunter they, it's gotten to the point where like the the media or uh in this case fell the promoter is like kind of blowing so much smoke up their ass that they themselves are like hey that's enough um, yeah. it's getting hot in here. If you're going to do all that, like, I can't even imagine what they would have been saying about Denny during his, uh, his illustrious 1990 season where he just looked like he was on top of the world. He would have been the, the next, the next Jeff Stanton or something along those lines, uh, or the next RJ because at that in 90, Jeff Stanton wasn't even Jeff Stanton yet. Really? Um, but, uh, yeah, kind of it, it, like it was a misplaced, uh, comment, 
um like the the Lawrence brothers they're awesome they're also still in the 250 class and they're not even out of it yet so uh I'm, I'm not placing any crowns on their heads just yet given the fact that uh we we if you've been paying attention to the sport in the last 30 years you've seen a lot of really impre- impressive performances in that class over the years but um yeah it, it sort of is what it is uh I didn't like it I, I'm not a like I'm not a hater by any means on either one of these guys um their legacy is going to be awesome and to be honest, I think both of these guys are going to be uh, even more impressive on a 450, uh, especially Hunter, honestly, uh, than they were on, on 250Fs. And uh, that chapter is yet to be written. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned the circus, and I, I don't want Supercross to be a circus. So I promise oh, positivity though. tonight. So I'm going to I'm gonna not beat that dead horse um, anymore, other than I would like it to be treated more like a, a sport than a little little more sport and a little less Monster Jam is what okay. what i would personally prefer but maybe uh maybe i'm wrong so we'll move on um we'll move on to another controversial topic how about that but i don't have to touch it i'll let denny handle it Uh-oh. old dog gets tricked in the big d smith only gets treated to defeat by deegan denny what is your take on this whole thing um i know what it is and for once i think we really completely agree on a very controversial topic well, we, we, I'll give you 100% credit on uh, on this on, on Jordan Smith, and I'll give you 100% credit on Chris Lewis. I think you've, uh, you know, we love to argue and banter and stuff, but we love the sport and we love to make predictions. And you made two fantastic ones. And uh, I, I think we we're all completely shocked when Jordan Smith got the, the star ride. Uh, it was something out of the blue that I don't think either any of us really thought was going to happen or, or was deserved. But then once I saw the season playing out, I really thought Jordan was going to turn things around. He'd gotten on a very uh, much different brand. He got away from uh, the Millsap train facilities down in Florida uh, at the goat farm with uh, star riding with all these guys. And I, I, I thought, okay, we're going to see a, a flip being a uh, switch being flipped by Jordan Smith. He's on the, uh, on the number one team uh, to be on for a two D rider. And you just were adamant, adamant. <laughs> Every time when you crash in practice, like there he goes. When you crash in a heat race, you're like, there he goes. You're like, there he goes and it crashes in a main event. And he, he did, he, he like clockwork. I mean, it's, um, I mean, I'm not bashing the guy. There's no way. I mean, he's obviously made a living racing a dirt bike. He's a very talented, very good rider, but the mental aspect of racing a dirt bike is, is, is probably, uh, easily forgotten. Um, it's not quite given as much credit to, I think being clutch, I think is something I use a lot. You know, when you line up on that, on that gate and you know, you got to get some job done, you got to get it done and being the, the veteran in the treaty class and seeing the shit that went down with him and, uh, and Hayden, um, I will never not admit that I'm a, a Deegan fan just for my longtime relationship with family and stuff. But, um, it was a little, it was definitely outrageous. The heat race when we were watching, I think we all sat there in our, in our couch and went, what the hell's going on here? The two definitely had some type of uh, history going on. It was playing out in front of us on live television that we did not know about. Some type of animosity, some type of uh, shit has been going on on the track or whether or not at the practice uh, facility back home. But, you know, the, the veteran of George Smith let a 17-year-old rookie escalate things. And um, instead of being the wiser of the two, he kind of just let it happen and got right into it. And and then put himself on the ground. You're not going to knock someone down with your front wheel as we saw. And then boom, down two more times. Boom, goes to LCQ. Let's go, tries to go around guys on the outside in the last chance qualifier. I mean, what the fuck, man? I wouldn't trust going around the outside of you, checkers at a bar. Let's leave you down <laughs> on the ground trying to steal my drink or my lap dance. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, and my part was unexpected. It was something you've called out for a while. So, uh, 
yeah, well done. And, and I think Jordan Smith has a lot to recover from. Um, he has a one-year deal. He's like your brother said the best thing that Deegan is stars future and Jordan Smith is a one-year rental. So whose side are they going to choose? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the one thing I gotta say is, are you entertained? It was amazing for the sport of supercross in general because of the eyeballs that it got on it whether you agree with people or not it has people talking about supercross and the fact is we talk about all the time when you know guys get into to slamming wars i make the joke of they're gonna go eat cotton candy in row f well the fact of the matter is deegan did not put jordan smith up in row f jordan smith was up in row f eating cotton candy because he made bad choices trying to make the main event after he got up from the crash let alone any of the stuff that went on with deegan um, was it over the top? It was over the top, but that's just, that's what you're going to get with him. You know, you get that with Barsha at times and especially a younger Barsha a lot. It's, oh my God, it's entertainment, you know, and we're, yeah. we're here in the entertainment business. We're not racing against them. Um, if you don't want people to race that way, that's okay. But I hope that racing like that continues because I'm here for the entertainment of it. Um, if they played follow the leader, we wouldn't have anything to talk about it and it would just be boring. And I'm sorry, but Jordan Smith, I don't care if he's your teammate or not. After the whoops to start it all, he tried to go around the outside of his teammate. He multiple times got himself in bad situations over and over throughout the night by trying to pass on the outside. And I think that's the result of him always being extremely fast. No one's ever doubted his speed. I've continuously, time after time, doubted his racecraft. And it proved to be true once again. Um just mistake after mistake after mistake. And even something as simple as pulling off out in the heat race, instead of finishing it and trying to get a couple better gate picks because that start was pretty short and pretty tight and it narrowed down a lot. So being on the outside, it was, it was a really dangerous spot to be, at least he didn't fall down, but then you have to be smart enough to let things sort out on that first lap. When you have the speed that he has, you can let the race sort out a little bit, makes you avoid trouble on the first lap and then make your charge to the front. Um, I understand he hasn't been in a lot of LCQs, but that is some pretty common racecraft. And somebody on that team should have been sitting down with him, calming him down, getting him focused for that LCQ. And I blame them just as much for not yeah. going through that because I'm guessing that there was a bunch of arguing and stuff going on in the truck and a lot of heated tempers. So instead of regrouping mentally for it, he's sitting here getting himself more amped up. So, and he was uh, simply, like you said, he was he was three seconds lap faster than those guys in the last chance qualifier. I mean, all he had. Oh, to he do was, was on rails. On rails, he rode an outstanding race. I mean, there's nothing to take away from him. And what he did in those last two laps to get into a qualifying position was unreal and fucking awesome to watch. I think we were. Did all you see when he almost went, died in the whoops? When oh, like man, someone he, either crashed or like swerved yeah. next to him, and he like almost caught them, like. He could have died a million deaths during that yeah, LCQ. Also, what I had to tell him was like Checker said, like, dude, this is your race, man. Just don't blow it. Settle in. You're way faster than these guys, which he was, and he proved it. But uh, yeah, the mental aspect got the best of him again, and, and, and what a shame because it was, you know, I, I really thought he was going to be, uh, you know, had a good shot in the main event with his teammates uh, Thrasher and, and and Deegan, and and then Checker says the entertainment value, dude. After the race, Deegan was trending on Twitter. I mean, for two days. That, yeah, I mean, that's that's enormous, man. And that is, uh, as we've said, and then the stupid questions were asked of him after the fact in the press conference. I've said it again. I'll say it again as well, that Deegan does not need Moto Media. He's fine. They, they need him far more than they than, they, than he needs them. And uh, uh, yeah, the stupid questions should, should cease. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, I don't think it's it's the smartest move as far as trying to win a championship. And I mean, Carmichael is really famous for always saying that if and McGrath was actually even more famous. He's like, I tried not to start wars with guys. 
and I wanted to be their buddies so that I didn't have to deal with that stuff. But so far in Deegan's career, I've watched him come up since he was on fifties. He is, he's raced like that. He's raced really aggressive. He's raced like he's the alpha and pushed people around. And I haven't really ever seen it bite him back yet. Does he do that to somebody like Hunter Lawrence? And Hunter is very good at that as well and very capable of matching him speed and talent-wise. Does he maybe get him back? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see if it comes back to bite him. He's not making any friends, but what he is doing is asserting himself that he's not going to be pushed around. He's going to race you hard, doesn't care what color motorcycle you're on, doesn't care what name is on the back of your jersey. And we'll see um, where that holds for the future for Hayden Deegan. It's it's maybe not the best way to win a title, but again, just like I said, I am all for it because it keeps me entertained and um, youthful, youthful exuberance. We can never have enough of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking of never changing, zombies never die, and neither does the jabbing the between Benny and I. The opposite side of youthful exuberance is Chris Blows. <laughs> right. Grandpa Blows and Denny and I jabbing. Um, Blows finally gets the top five that we've talked about. I have to gloat about it for a second because, well, let's just say that Denny very passionately didn't think he was going to get it done. And I very passionately thought he was pretty ridiculous. He turned pro in 2005. So he's been pro for 19 years. Meaning, I mean, Deegan was, was Deegan even born? No, he was not even born. I, I, I put yeah, in my notes that he was in diapers uh, when Blos got his first top five, but Deegan wasn't even born yet when he turned pro. No, <laughs> um, But Blos gets his fifth top five, but the first one since 2009. Uh, so first one in four years. Um, he has second one, second one in 45 races. No, two he has five, five top fives. No, not 250. 250 classes is only his second top five in 45 races. He only has one top five bar. I looked up the stats to verify. I swear we went through this earlier. I don't know. Anyways, you were wrong. I'm putting five. I'm putting putting fifth asterisks, you know, because just to fuck with you. But, um, you know, anytime you run well and you're the older statesman and the class, you get this opportunity had with pro circuit. I think we can all agree that it was an outstanding ride. I I didn't think he was going to have it, dude. But, you know, it did. It did take. ANSI crashing out and Smith not qualifying <laughs> and Viali not being smart enough or wanting to kill him because man, those last two laps, you know, two look like a, an LCQ because they were like literally just riding around. Viali couldn't jump the fucking, uh, the dragons back, uh, protect a lot of inside lines, but you know, nonetheless, uh, you were correct. And I will definitely give you the win on this one. Brother. Well, yeah, it was, uh, they might've been like almost 40 seconds behind the leader and their tongues were definitely in the spokes, but it honestly happened just like I told you it was. I didn't say that he was ever going to get it based on he's just going to rip and speed wise. I said, literally, I showed, I reminded Denny when it happened that that it said it's going to be because all the other 250 guys are going to crash their brains out or get injured and not be on the starting line. And he's just going to be solid and ride his way there. And um, I can tell you the last couple laps of that main event when they're showing the battle, which couldn't be any more fitting <laughs> that they're showing mine. And it's like, this is mine and Denny's battle. This is for us. Yeah. And yeah. I'm on the edge of my seat. I see Bush just tired as can be. And I'm like, dude, just come on. Like the one thing I knew is he's a very good racer and he was going to, it was a hard track to pass on. And Chris was going to run the insides and he wasn't going to let me all go around the outside of him. So I, that's the only thing I had going for me, but I guess now that the fat air wheelie king is sung, can you take us west where hopefully the only water falling is tears from Debo's eyes as it's always a risk of rain in Seattle. Uh, well, I, 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 it's, it's never, it's never as bad as Ken winning. <laughs> <laughs> 
What were you saying, Brad? <laughs> I was going to say, I believe it's raining there right now, uh, but the prognosis for uh, the actual race day uh, is that we won't have any rain. Uh, I don't know. So I saw 7 p.m., 40% chance. I just looked on weather.com. I, I, and yeah, so I hope not. I hope you're correct. But yeah, I, I just Googled it earlier to check it out. And everybody speaks rain and uh, Seattle is obviously known for it. But God, I hope I hope not. We always wonder why wouldn't they put a roof on that damn place? <laughs> Yeah, uh, bigger question as to why the local stadium here is not a dome, given the fact that it's minus 10 outside right now. Um, but uh, yeah, is open air stadiums in, in, in uh, inclement weather is always kind of mind blowing. Uh, they play at the like they uh, this race is where the Seahawks play, correct? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, that, that is that's a very interesting stadium because it's actually it's also pretty close to um, like it's very coastal. Like it's not like inland whatsoever. It's a, it's a spot where uh, it can happen all the time. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting race regardless. Uh, throw some moisture in there. We haven't had a mutter in some quite some time. So you know what? I'd be for it. Yeah. I agree. It, it, it's, it's a change of things up. I mean, it's never not great to watch, but no. uh, when Dave, I think, I believe it was David Geffen who built that stadium and um it is one of the loudest in the country or, you know, with the NFL games. And um, I remember uh, one of the years when I was there, I, it might've been, I don't know, it was Smith or doing the TV show and they, the track was very sandy and it, it rained and rained and rained, but the sand really held the water very well. It didn't become, you know, like Anaheim mud or, you know, right. uh, type, type deal. And it, it really shaped up to kind of a crazy race. So uh, I don't know what the dirt can, uh, will be this weekend. Uh, if it's something similar, if they've changed it, but um, it could be good. Was it here or was it Salt Lake the one year? I I want to say it was either 06 or 07 when like all the straightaways were just like a total, just like a, just beat out ruts and like Kev, Kevin Windham and I want to say Davey Millsaps were just like stupidly good at it. Yeah, I remember that race. The whoops were literally a straight line slot cars. Um, I think yeah. Brayton was actually really good that night too. I think so. Uh, but yeah, it was, 06, it was when I did crazy. TV in 06, we, the very first round was in Canada and uh, they believe in Toronto or Vancouver. Oh God. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I remember racing up there for arena cross as well. And, um, yeah, when they got those slop car type tracks, um, through the whoops, I mean, we had Tacoma arena cross one year, I think Oh two was my last year. It's very similar to what Ken was doing, uh, in Detroit or uh, Indy with that, that whoop section. I mean, the balance it takes the, the skill level it takes and, um, yeah, that's some gnarly shit. When, you, when you're going from one end of the arena to, or stadium to the other end of the stadium in one slot car, yeah, that's that's a whole other style of racing than, uh, than than what we're used to watching or even experiencing. No kidding. All what right, is that the end of the? Uh... Yeah, that is uh, that is our our recap. The the fat early king sung with the with the zombie blows thing. It's it's all dope. It's a wrap. We're on to. On to Seattle, um, and I mean, we talked about the weather a lot, and Webb's three points, Sexton's back 17, um, but is Plessinger okay after the crash? Like, that was a big hit, right? Like, do we see him bounce back? The way he folded his head when he when he was going down, like, he tucked and rolled, obviously, but he wasn't really in a full tuck and roll position for him to tuck his head under, and um yeah, he, he lit himself up. I would have to agree. And it was something similar that we kind of saw when, uh, when Moseman went down in Daytona, you know, when you are in between that, you know, legs over your head or just folding your head. Um, yeah. Aaron, 
I, we haven't heard anything and I hope he's okay. But yeah, it could have been a little bit more gnarly than we thought, you know, that neck injury, head injury, the emotional level. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. He, he folded himself like a lawn chair. Uh, I'll be interested yeah. to see if he does bounce back properly. He said he did have a, a laceration on his leg, which these guys race with stuff like that all the time. So I don't think that's going to hold you back. And uh, whether it's a Tordal shot or just the adrenaline that sort of sets in during the race, I don't think that's going to hold him back during the main events at all. He probably didn't ride much this week. I think in general, he was probably just sore. Um, and uh, I, I know they're based over on the, the, like the East coast. So uh, honestly, the biggest problem for a guy like AP for this weekend might be being sore as well as the fact that uh, the, the main event's going to, the, the gate drop for the main events can be midnight his time. Right. Um, it'll be interesting. Cause like we talked about the ruts too. The last time we were on a super ready track, remember the, the kickstart Kenny RM army took home the win over in Indianapolis, but this is usually a different type of um, ready track where, Indy's really, really sticky. The Seattle ruts, typically it's more of like a sandy loamy dirt and it kind of blows out a little bit and they're deeper and wider. So do we see Roxanne do really well on the technical track again, or is it still just kind of inconsistent Kenny, no matter what? Um, Danny, what do you think on that? Um, I thought Kenny rode really well in, uh, in Detroit. I think he, I don't think any of us really expected him to, to rebound with another win. It was going to be a different track and way far different than, uh, than, than Indy with no, like you said, no ruts, more smoother, but I, I, I guarantee, and I think you guys would agree. If Ken gets a good start, he starts up front with that lead pack. He's right there. He, he kind of reeled those guys in. Um, he didn't have sex and type speed where he's going to go through the pack, but uh, he didn't have that type of speed at, at Indy when he won, he got out front and, and, and led and, uh, and did what Ken does very solid, consistent laps. And I think if he would have got the similar start in Detroit, he would have been right there in the mix. So um, I'm, I'm a little surprised that uh, not surprised. I mean, I am surprised that Ken got to win. I never predicted it. They've got that bike working very well. Uh, I thought that, I think we talked about as well, the more tactical rutted track, I think kind of suited Ken's style that he was more technical of the bike. I think it was going to work really well. And then uh, with Detroit being almost completely different type track, a little bit smoother, not the ruts kind of were flowing. Um, he laid down some fast qualifying times, rode well in his heat race. And again, I, I think if he would have got a start up there with the lead pack, he would have been in the mix right, right with them again. So um, heading to Seattle, I think the team's pumped. I know that uh, tra- our friend Travis Sewell's is pumped. Pep, those guys are in a good mood. Um, I'm not sure really what happened to Chiz and McElrath last weekend. They didn't quite repeat their performances from Indy, but I think the Ken train is rolling right now. He's got some confidence and stuff, and uh, his insistence of staying in the U.S. and riding the, the outdoor nationals, I think, blows us away a little bit. We, we don't know if he's he's working an angle to work the race world supercross for more money or what the deal is, but um, yeah, if he's going to be here all summer and for the rest of the year, uh, Ken will always be have to be uh, uh, something to deal with, and uh, yeah. I'm impressed with the way he rebounded last week after a win. He did. It wasn't a big letdown. I don't believe. No, I thought he rode really well. I mean, in the heat race, he was, he was there and he was in the mix in the main event. He just was behind the the pack for the most part. And it's, it's no surprise to me that when he quit switching freaking suspension companies and quit screwing with the bike over and over again, and has had a platform to work from that he actually knows what he's riding. He starts to do better. Um, it's almost like he should have maybe played less games in the off season, had that setting going in and then left his motorcycle alone and, and rode it. And maybe the rest of the beginning of the season would have been, been even better, but I do expect the trend to continue for him to at least be up battling near the top five. Um, I don't, I'm not sold on him winning more races, but 
he is one of the most talented guys in the field going to a technical track. Um, yeah, moving throw, on to throw, the throwing throw Kenny and Barsha in every weekend to be a part of this whole series is uh, and and get in between maybe uh, Tomac and Webb. I think that adds a whole new drama to the series. Absolutely, I think you guys would agree on that as well. Who would have called those two being a thorn in the side of the championship contenders over top of Jason Anderson, who has um, been essentially invisible aside from two wins at the triple crowns. Like the only person that you see less than Christian Craig on race day is, is Jason Anderson. He has been, um, He's been subpar. I, uh, there's no other way to say it. Yeah, he, he has not been himself all year long. This yeah, they, the only time you, you see, we tend to see El Hombre is when they show him on the ground. And uh, and I almost felt bad our last episode because I was I was calling him a fourth or fifth place guy, and I kind of forgot it. he had gotten a second or third prior because because we've just seen him run fourth and fifth. And then when I interviewed him for Race Day Live or one that, or somehow during the night on a Saturday or during the day on Saturday, he said, "Dude, I've been a fourth or fifth place guy," and I'm. And the fact that he looks at himself as that as well, and you can see that his enthusiasm has definitely waned, because he's usually a great interview, a lot of positivity, a lot of uh, he's. I'm a big fan of, of Jason as we all are. When he's doing well, he, he radiates it. But he is feeling the pressure, he's feeling the frustration, and once again, he's there in the kind of the pack, and then the camera flashes back to the section he's laying in. And it's silly crashes too. It's like tucking the front end in the corners, pushing the front end. It's just nothing spectacular. It's not a big gnarly crash. It's just a mental mistake that he is unable to uh, to eliminate right now. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy to see that we all thought he would come. You know, after coming off seven wins that he did last year and being a title uh, contender, it's 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 a uh, Cowie's got to be wondering, and as, as we all are, that uh, where 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 is El Hombre? Where is he going? Well, interestingly enough, though, um, for one, his starts have gone away. He was a great starter last year. He was at yep. the front of the field a lot. But also, um, it has to bring into question a little bit the move to New Mexico and out of California and out of having Brock Tickle with him day in and day out, babysitting him maybe a little bit. Um, I mean, we've seen this before. Anderson came off of his championship year, and the next following year was one of his worst years um, that he's had. So did he kind of take it a little too easy thinking, okay, I got it. I have a good base or is he, you know, it's not a new motorcycle, so he shouldn't be fighting with the bike. There's just, there can be so much speculation, but I think it really comes down to it's the starts, but are the starts not good because his confidence isn't there because the riding's not there. Or is it something else related to where the starts are causing the results and riding not to be there because the speed's still there hit and miss. It's just not as consistent, which is part of what leads me to wonder about the, the move and not having that consistency in his program which is what we what you see from the guys that are there week in and week out their program is is very very consistent and steady so um we're running out of time for anderson to get a win and his results are are tapering off versus getting better right now and i i don't know i mean we need to see some, i think we need to see some hard pack races if he's going to get it done yeah i don't i don't see jason pulling a win out of his ass right now it's just not like I said, it goes back to Eli. And obviously, Cowies can start because Trail is up front every weekend with his starts. And uh, yeah, Jason, this is a, this is a, a Jason Anderson that we've seen in the past. Definitely not the one we saw last season. Yep, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll dive into some more of that when we get to our versus challenge questions. And um, I know that I have some stuff set up for the 250 class, but we have some some really cool storylines there. Um, don't worry. I'm sure we'll hear plenty about Jet and jet and more jet and jet will be crammed down our throats a lot on saturday night 
but it will be interesting to see RJ Hampshire is back healthy. Now, you know, he had that 450 race to kind of boost his confidence, maybe a little bit too. Um, and, you know, maybe he'll come back down thinking, well, I've raced with the big dogs. Now you guys are nothing. And then um, McAdoo also should be back healthy after his huge crash that he had at A2 that, you know, he soldiered himself through. I don't think either of those guys are really in title contention unless things go catastrophically wrong for Jet. Uh, but maybe they'll at least be able to give him a little bit more challenge. Um, Brad, anything else you want to add um, on Seattle before I go to last year's results? No, I think we've just about covered it, guys. Like, this is going to be a really technical racetrack. And what I really hope it does, I think it, I hope that it drops the speeds a little bit and has these guys just in each other's back pocket and allows for some good racing. Absolutely. So I, I took a peek back and looked at last year's results and um, Tomac won and then Barsha was fifth, but the rest of the top five don't even matter, don't even be talked about because they weren't going to be at the race. So there's nothing to really cover with last year's results. So I figured we go a little further back in history. And Denny, can you tell me the story about the, the rent to Denny Seattle smooth tour? Because that's one of my favorite all time stories. <laughs> well, yeah, I, uh, my, uh, you know, longtime friend, uh, Steve Mathis had, uh, had been discussing it on the pulp show and, uh, Moser had decided to take him up on it, him and, uh, and the rest of the crew up there in Seattle decided to uh, Buell, uh, and they said, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fly Debo into, into Seattle." And then, uh, actually, I don't think I even flew into Seattle. I flew into a, another city, and they picked me up Spokane in a, or something. They picked me up in a station wagon. It's got you know Debo rental on, on the rear window. They hand me a T-shirt, and then they proceeded to try and take turns to dry, drink me under the table. Obviously, uh, alcohol has been a, a fun and exciting game for me over the years. That's great. Sometimes more problems than good. But um, yeah, they tried to one at a time drink me on the table and I drank basically had to drink four of them under the table and it got a little chaotic. So um, as I said, when you when you want to bring Debo to a party and you want to act like it's a party, you're going to get the party. <laughs> and, <laughs> but yeah, it was I've great. There. I mean, I've, uh, you know, his dad was a trooper, you know, it was pretty chaotic on my part. And I know, and I always apologized and, uh, you know, there are great sports of it. And I talked to them today and I, I consider them family from that. We've all survived that weekend. And I'm pretty sure that at the end of that, that they were willing to drive me out to some uh, Washington desert and bury me in the sand somewhere just to end it. Uh, but yeah, I ran into chicken like on Saturday night. Uh, I missed the race. It was pure chaos. I, I, there's no shame to my game of that. And I, I definitely, uh, I think I yelled at Kenny Watson and, and getting passes at one time because he fired Josh Hill. So it was pure chaos at the best. And uh, I always joke with them like, Hey man, we need a, like a redemption weekend sometime. And, uh, but yeah, the Renadibo two, I think it was 2017, I believe. Yeah, that was, that was next level. So kudos to them for having me. And, uh, I'm just happy I survived <laughs> once again, but were you entertained is all you needed to tell them. <laughs> that's all you need. They, they got what they wanted. You know, that's, let's be honest. They, uh, they, they invested in an experiment and experience and they got the full experience. <laughs> <laughs> I've been down that road a few times and, and thankfully yeah. our Loretta's trip was, was much less entertaining, but just as much yeah. fun. It was too uh, fucking hot down there, man. Jesus Christ. It was miserable. <laughs> Someone just asked me about that. I was talking with your uh, Jen's friend, Elizabeth. She's like, wanted to go hang out at uh, at Loretta's. And I'm like, it is so hot and so miserable. I don't think you want to experience that. I had a great time hanging out with Chex and Jen and everybody. But man, when you're sweating out a t-shirt by 8 a.m., it, it, that's just too much. <laughs> 
Yeah, when it was too hot to even hang out at the beer tent, then you know that it was way too hot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Biden, and our friend Matt Biden's going back. What is he thinking? <laughs> and he's riding. That's the worst part. The riding part is uh, really miserable. Yeah, sit in gear and man. ride that track. Ugh. Yeah, I'll leave that to the kids. Um, I'll be sitting there, sitting in front of a fan, trying not to die all week under the tent. But, yeah, um, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I, I went up to Kevin Windham during one of the races, and he's standing there with his full beard, and, and he looks at me, he goes, "Denny, I'm Kevin Windham." I'm like, "Well, it took me a second with the beard, but I know who you are, Kevin." <laughs> and then I sat, then we stood with him, and and we ran into Ivan Tedesco, and we're bullshitting, and me and Kevin are just soaking our t-shirts, and Ivan, being your favorite rider, and uh, Mr. GQ uh, Vanity Fair, like he he doesn't even have a bead of sweat. His, his beard is perfect, his hair is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I thought. It's like, man, you're, it's good to be young, you kid. <laughs> yeah, it's the Mexican blood. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For that. He probably had a hoodie on his, in his back pocket. <laughs> That's too fun. All right, guys, it's time to move on to our next segment brought to you by MXD360.com. This is Denny's specialty. It's the Dash for Cash. And you can sign up to win the King's gear. It is not too late. I'm sure you could probably still amass enough points to pass me in the Big MX Radio League. You, If you make a team, DM me your team name, and you're probably going to – without even playing, you probably have more points than me. Uh, but we're actually going to get into that a little bit later on. But it's time for the Dash for cash. This is Denny Stevenson's absolute bread and butter when he raced all those arena cross races. Yeah, the, the championships were more of a uh, a Budman thing. With the dash for cash, that is right up to uh, Denny's alley. And if you haven't, if you're not playing MX3360.com just yet, you need to. It is such a fun game. Go check it out, guys. You will not be disappointed unless you're like me and make extremely bad picks. But this is where we get the whole shot and sprint questions, just like the king. That was his deal. You'd get the whole shot sprint for 10 laps and then uh, just collect those big old uh, Honda checks or sometimes it was Yamaha checks and every so often it was a Suzuki check but Debo are you ready for these uh, questions where you have to get the whole shot and sprint away let's do it what do you got all right Debo can one of the West Coast riders beat Jet Lawrence in Seattle yeah, I think we can all agree. I think the only person that's going to beat Jet is Jet. You know, I, I, Cameron's riding well. Uh, he still can't. He can't. He can't break the, the Hampshire uh, second place that uh, that RJ's been laying down. Uh, RJ seen or Jet seems to be the fact that he has realized that you know riding 85, 90 percent is is all he needs and that uh, is what he's been doing. I, I, I think he's he's obviously head and shoulders uh, of the head of the pack right now, and either cam or rj are going to need a mistake from jet to get a win which we've seen he made a mistake in uh in the, in the triple crown didn't get the overall stayed off but if jet can stay off the ground it's his race to lose certainly and over the next few weeks and there is a couple of weeks off in there he'll he'll make his own bid for being the greatest 250 racer of all time not even going to go there right now all right checkers if you were one of the 35 45 supercross privateers would you be loading up the truck and heading off to seattle um, if I'm not ba based on the West coast, that drive that they're going to be doing right now from Detroit to Seattle is like 2,300 miles. There's a good chance that it's going to rain and be muddy and you're going to destroy your motorcycle. Um, yeah, you're going to catch me heading down to the little rock, Arkansas arena cross. And then yes. next weekend's an off weekend. So I'm going to hit up the Louisville arena cross. I'm going to, you know, probably make the main events there, put some money in my pocket versus Maybe spending win. a bunch of money. Unless I'm one of the guys that, you know, has my bike in a transport service and I'm flying in, then absolutely you'd catch me there. But 
other than that, you know, you're going to catch me doing those. And then I'm going to miss Phoenix, I guess, because I'm not going to drive all the way out for one race for that. Um, so I guess I'm going to hit up the old Riverside Raceway for the Iowa State Championship Pro-Am and make some money. Okay, maybe I'm kidding about that unless you're local to there. Um, but I'm going to hang out and find a local race or regroup for a week and see you in Atlanta. I'm not, I'm not going on that trip back and forth across the country um, unless I have somebody else hauling my bike and I'm flying in. Because it's also just mentally taxing on you driving that long. You get so far out of your routine and stuff. And you know, it's, I would say for what, if you're not West coast based and having to stay out there and stuff. So yeah. See you. Yeah, Seattle's, uh, see you a, Seattle's a long fucking ways away. I remember being in Southern California in 1988 and going up to race, I think the 250 class uh, at the time, cause I was riding 125 East and I'm like, Oh dad, I'll just jump in the box van with you instead of buying a flight. Literally I realized it's 18 fucking hours from Southern California. Even it's a long drive. I mean, it is up there in the middle of nowhere. And, um, yeah, and the cost of gas these days, I, I think I saw, we both saw Logan Carnell uh, tweet about a $1,000 plane ticket to just get up there. And I think I'd comment and say, man, you shouldn't pass up those Bang Brothers uh, dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, you guys didn't see that. He got approached at the uh, the airport because he was in all his OnlyFans stuff. So, uh, got to love Logan. Um, hopefully, he puts it back in the main to make some of that plane ticket money back. Went down to do porn to get to, to get to the races. <laughs> now, I don't know if he's well equipped to do porn, uh, although they have categories for just about anything. <laughs> um, Debo, you've been pretty vocal that the West is deeper than the East. Uh, so where would Nate Thrasher, who's currently second in points in the East Coast, where would he slot in on the West Coast right now? Well, he's he's incredibly fast and. Um, but he's an incredible crasher too. So he kind of kind of fits into the to, to, to the stereotype of of Cameron and RJ. So um I think he'd be right there in the mix with those with those two riders as well. I, I don't know, you know, he, he obviously hasn't really beat Hunter straight up yet. Uh, I you know, we argued about this the other week. I, I think Hunter has everything he needs to battle his brother Jet right now in Supercross. Um, they're obviously their statistics are almost identical. Uh, I think I sent text a, a text the other day that he has one more podium than his brother, and but yet one less championship. Um, yeah, I think Thrasher could be right in there with those with the other two guys. Um, it's been a crazy two these season. So many injuries already, as we've talked about. You know, with Shimoda, Hamaker, uh, obviously. The- Um, but I think Thrasher could be totally in the mix with Cam and and and, and RJ and and crashing just as spectacularly as they as they've proven time and time again as they do. Yeah, both 250 titles right now are all but wrapped up, and it's actually kind of sad. Like, there's still good racing, and thanks to Deegan, uh, like taking double back, double look backs, and 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 slamming his teammates, we have something to talk about. But aside from that, like the actual results, like week to week have been maybe the most irrelevant results we've ever seen in that class. Like I, I like it's, we're, yeah, it, we're it, having it, to it like sort of like build up the, the drama and talk about the, the battle for fifth and sixth or seventh, second and third. Um, because it's the Lawrence brothers are so head and shoulders above everybody else that it is, is pretty ridiculous. Um, checkers. Yeah, absolutely. Enzo Lopes has been really impressive on a support team on the West Coast uh, that I think that you all agree is deeper now. Uh, Max Anstey has been surprising on the East Coast, but which of one, which one of them has actually been better? Yes, Danny, I, I did agree with you that the the West is deeper at this point. By the way, um, 
I mean, you have Enzo C sixth in points. Um, he doesn't have a podium. He only has one top five. But again, he's racing uh, what I would think is a little deeper field. But Max has been really, really good. And other than his 22nd, um, which dropped him down to fifth in points, he has three podiums and has been in the top five every single race. And weaker coast or not, Anstey, in my opinion, has more consistently been there in the main events. Lopes is a lot younger, though, and hasn't quite figured out the racing stuff. I think Lopes has a, uh, a lot higher ceiling, and he's continuing to build and doing great. But right now, this year, Max is better and doing better. I think if you match them up on the same coast week in and week out, that Max would be the guy that would be in front. Uh, I can't argue with me there. I think I think Max has uh, like the, just the raw speed uh, and the, the consistency of being on the podium shows me that uh, that he's got uh, he's extremely, extremely impressive. Um, Debo, give me your prediction for the top five in Supercross points for the end of the season. Um. I had posted something earlier this week, or just even maybe today. Um, I'm so excited to see this this points battle go down between Cooper and, and Eli. Um, I think this is going to be something we saw which uh, with with Eli and, and Ryan Dungey, two of the best racecraft people in the sport right now between Webb and Tomac. And these two, I think this is going to carry to the last round of, of Salt Lake City. I'm still a Tomac fan and think he's going to repeat, but Man, Webb has been blowing my mind at how consistent he's been, how reliant, how just resilient he's been. The fucker just is a badass. He he knows how to race. He knows how to win titles. And he doesn't, and he does it so just under the radar. You know, I mean, who would have thought he was the guy that came out in second or, or with the most points in, in last weekend? I don't think if you even look back at the race, you wouldn't even consider that. But Webb is a beast. Coop, uh, Eli's a beast, and I'm really looking forward to see how this thing turns out. Um, I think Sexton's going to keep knocking out uh, solid results. I, I, I think he's on the title hunt. You don't make up these title these type of points on on two riders like uh, Webb and, and Tomac. Um, I think Kenny's going to keep getting better, uh, doing this thing. I think Barsha's going to end up passing Anderson. Uh, I think is actually going to catch Roxon. So I can see it going, ended up, I'm going Tomac, Webb, um, Sexton, not too far. I think Sexton's going to catch those guys in points, but he's just not to make it enough of a battle that I can see even winning the finale, but yet Webb and Tomac being so concerned about each other that they let Sexton run away with it while they kind of fuck with each other and deal with lappers as we saw in Vegas that one year. Um, and then I see Roxon getting passed by Barsha, but I see Barsha, Bam in fourth, and then Kenny in fifth. And, and that's a fantastic year on that Suzuki. I don't think we ever thought that. And then uh, Barsha has always been a five, top five guy. Uh, I think we're just seeing some more flashes of brilliance we've seen from him, from him lately. I like it. Checkers, I hear that race tech gold valves are 100% guaranteed to exceed even your highest expectations. So give me three things that, that have exceeded your expectation in the 450 class this year. Yes, that is true. They are 100% guaranteed. And it's almost like the marketing guy for Race Tech wrote this script with all the Race Tech gold valves mentions in, mentions in there. Can we give uh, one of these away? Yeah, we can give one away for sure. You have to figure out the well, – why don't I answer the question while I'm doing that. You're going to figure out how you want to give it away. Or okay. if it's going to be just somebody random that tweets us or something like that if you want to ask a question or something. But as far as who's exceeded my expectations um, or things that have exceeded my expectations in the 450 class um, – I had very, very low expectations for Ken Roxon and the Suzuki. So the HEP team 100% is, is at the top of that list. Um, Kenny getting a win was, was really, really cool. And the podium, um, 
I'm also surprised that Chiz really hasn't been chizzing. I saw a video of him last week trying to go for a pass around two guys at the end of the whoops, absolutely lawn darting himself, cleaning out both of them, his, running his teammate off the off the track and then cleaning himself out. Like, holy crap, that is not Kyle Chisholm. Um, he needs to settle down. He's getting a little too much Kenny's energy. Um, and then I, I was destroyed hoping my, that. Destroyed my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and hopefully uh, hopefully Souls is doing all right. Hopefully he, he made his way back from the island because I'm I'm sure he heavily celebrated their victory. Um, but he might still be there. <laughs> yeah, he might still be on the island. Um, the other thing is, is the Justins. I snuck two into one here. Barsha's speed as of lately – I don't ever really put him as a speed guy. His whole career, even when he is winning, he's a good starter and a good racer. But he's had some serious times where he's the fastest guy in the racetrack lately, which is awesome. And then also Justin Hill. Um, I didn't have much expectations for him other than if he was making main events and showing up at every round, I thought would be um, honestly a, a reasonably good season for him. And he's clawing himself further and further to the front of the field. It'll be really cool to see how he does here at his hometown race. Um, and then the final one, um, we sat there during the preseason show and talked about how we thought that Team KTM really didn't have much relevance. And I remember talking about Christian Craig saying he was the fastest guy on days at, at Baker's Factory. And we we laughed and said, but who's there? Um, because we had such low expectations for KTM. And now Cooper Webb has the red plate. AP just dang near won the race. But AP's been good every single round. And he's one of the best guys in the whoops, too, each week. So those are my three. Um, guys that are exceeding expectations, just like those race at gold bells. All right. So yeah. this is what we're going to do for those Hold who are, you're watching and we're, we're going to run this until next week when we do our, our hey, live Brad, show. You're totally ignoring Denny. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say something about the Hill brothers. Fuck top 10, uh, top, both of them, two brothers, top 10 in supercross. The first time since the Pomeroy brothers, uh, I believe it's the Pomeroy brothers, uh, God damn it, I don't know. Uh, now I'm now I'm great point so far. Uh fact that Hill Brothers top 10, first time two brothers to finish top 10 of Supercross in 1972. That's pretty fucking cool. Wow. wow. That's all that is that's all I had to add. Yeah. It's that, amazing that that happened in the first year and then didn't happen for 50 fucking years. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's just I didn't mean to interrupt that, which is a cool fact. And uh, I think we're all Hill, Hill, Hill brother uh, fans here. And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty awesome. And obviously the Lawrence brothers will be challenging that here very soon with their records as well. But uh, the fact that Justin and Josh top 10 last week, 10th uh, and a seventh uh, first time two brothers done it in, in 50 years is, is pretty badass. As if the Hill or as if the Stewart brothers never did when like, when um, uh, Malcolm no, moved up on a 450, Remember when like Malcolm came up and raced a 450 for uh for TLD? Oh, that was outdoors only though. He didn't do it. No, it was super cross. it was uh it was uh Daytona. I know it was Daytona cuz uh Andrew Short took him out. Oh, well maybe the, that's why he didn't the, get to the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> the silent the silent Colorado assassin. <laughs> the smiling assassin. All right. So this is how we're going to give this thing away. This is a free gold valve kit from our friends over at race tech and how we're going to give it away is over the next week until we do our, our next show and our next preview show or pregame show is going to be next week, Thursday, not the following week, Thursday, uh, leading into Arizona. We're actually going to do it a week in advance, uh, due to some scheduling conflicts for both myself and checkers. Um, so we're going to give this one week. So in the next week, whether you're watching this in archive or you're watching this live, Right now, 
what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to plead your case. You have to tag all three of us in your tweet, letting us know why why you feel like you need a, a set of brand new gold valve kit for your suspension to lead you into a brand new season where you're going for that championship or just want to feel more comfortable on your motorcycle. So what you're going to want to do is tweet all three of us, tag all three of us in the tweet. Let us know why you need a gold valve kit for your bike. And uh, we, under some careful consideration, we'll figure out who it is that wins that. And it will be announced in one week's time on this show. Sounds good. I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that, now we move on to a segment that used to be brought to you by airwheeliesonly.com, but that URL has actually changed recently to breaktaponly.com, uh, which is, I'm sure, sort of a, an homage to the, uh, the science of Supercross this last weekend where um, we were given some, uh, some physics instruction on the gyroscope uh, that is our wheels on dirt bikes. Anyone who's ever grabbed the front or back brake of your motorcycle while you're, uh, you're midair knows all about that. And honestly, I thought that was like the coolest thing you could possibly do back in the day on, on 85s or whatever. You just like kind of t- like jump nose high and then, uh, and then just bring the back brake down or hit the back brake and bring I'll, it down. I'll, I'll cool um, I'll cool checkers, you don't know anything about that, right? No, see, I go, I go to the moon and that's just like my scores are going here in this versus challenge questions. But Denny was the master of the brake tap and arena cross over the catapults on the 125, just trying to stretch it out over him out of all the rutted corners, get the front end sky high. But then he would yeah. tap the brake and bring it down where the real pros just keep it straight up to the moon. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So this is the versus question. These are where uh, there are no winners, really, when it comes into this, uh, just because of the arguing and the yelling and the swearing that happens. Uh, but we do keep score right now. Checkers are from last week. Checkers was up. They were tied going into last week. Uh, so now uh, Checkers is up 13 to 12. He won four, four to three in the last weekend, which um, with only seven questions, it was, it was the, that one extra win is basically an absolute shit kicking. Uh, Denny was hanging his head in shame. That's when he was, wasn't actually very uh, active on our, our group chat um, as he was uh, sobbing uncontrollably for the majority of the week, <laughs> which is understandable whenever you get your ass handed to you like that uh, in a game like this, where he it takes a lot of pride, but uh, we'll try and uh, right some wrongs and, and move in the right direction. And that's why when he when he loses, and it happens so often, uh, we actually let him uh, sort of lead things off. And that's who we're going to go to first here. On our first versus question, we got two guys kind of making their debut into the series. Is, uh, so who finishes better this weekend? Carson Mumford, who happens to be getting uh, his first ride on Team Pro Circuit in the 250 class. Or we have Cole Seeley, a guy who's won a 450 main event in the past. Uh, debuting for the MCR uh, Honda team. So uh, yeah, uh, Denny, I'll let you take the floor. Um, that's a great question. Um, I didn't realize that Cole was going to be back this weekend when I, I had set the Motor Extreme 360 uh, Seattle uh, salary list live. I got a few texts saying, hey, you know, Cole, Cole's going to race this weekend. And uh, so I added him and um, I kind of had to predict where I felt Cole would be obviously in the results to give him a salary base. Um, and I got to be honest, I, I'm never, a, not, I'm not a, not a fan of Cole Seeley, but I, I'm not a fan of riders coming off the couch and showing up at Supercross after being away for a few years. I obviously Cole raced with Supercross last year on a 250 and uh, it was a shit show. He was on the ground more times and, and we played a fantasy game for World Supercross and I took him 
in two out of the four, two out of the three rounds, where the hell, one of maybe one of the two rounds, however many rounds this, that series was. And uh, Cole did not live up to his speed. He made a lot of mistakes. And that's just nothing against that, man. That goes back to Ryan Dungey when he came off the couch for the outdoors and people were saying he was going to podium win motos. And dude, it's so hard to come off of, uh, you know, being away from the sport that long and, and to lay down uh, results. And Carson has been racing very consistently. Uh, his first time, uh, as he said, as, as checkers would say, with Blos on, on the on the factory pro circuit Cowie. Um, I'm going to go with Blos <clears throat> or Mumford, I'm sorry, uh, over. I think I got Celia probably about fifth, 14th, 15th. I don't see him beat either the Hill brothers or uh, that kind of that normal group in that. He's, he's got a lot to prove. And I see Mumford. He's kind of been a top 10 guy off and on. I can see Mumford run around 10th or 11th. Um, I think the debut of Mumford and Sons takes down Cole Seeley, which I see is going to be number 160, which was my dad's national number back in the day. So uh, very cool to see that. But I'm a Mumford guy for this weekend. Jax? Well, I could have, I could have easily went uh, 50-50 on this one. But you know dang well I'm not going to agree with you. So um, Mumford might have the advantage of a, a slightly easier uh, 250 class and the advantage of a factory bike. But what he doesn't have is the riding time that Sealy's been having. And I would argue Sealy's program's just as good. I think that the World Supercross thing last year was the butt-kicking and wake-up call that's going to make him better. Because I think he realized even in the 250 class of World Supercross, just kind of mailing it in wasn't going to get it done. Um, the dude has one of the most talented and skilled riders of all time. Seattle is going to be a skill and talent track. He's been under the tutelage of Tony Alessi, who hasn't been at the races the last, what seems like forever ago since we had our last West Coast race. So he's been out there just grinding and putting motos in and stuff on a really solid program and a really solid motorcycle. So in the 450 class, also, we don't have Ferrandis. We don't have Cooper. We don't have Nichols, you know. There's no reason that Cole Seeley can't go out there and run around the 12th place spot with Dean Wilson and Mumford's bike in the field might be normally that's he could go get that done, but the dude hasn't been riding. He's been hurt and hurt and hurt. And there's a lot of pressure on him. It's going to be really hard for Mumford not to go out there and try too hard. And um, he can't be a hundred percent at this point. And it's gonna be hard for him to finish the race. Unfortunately, I hope he does. And I hope he can steadily build kind of how blow stayed on the, on the East coast side with the deal where he came in late on the motorcycle. It didn't blow it all in the first race, but Mumford's young and on his first factory opportunity. Um, it's going to be really tough for him not to just go all out. So give me Cole Seeley and a point for this week, because I'm going to be what, right. What was the end? Uh, what is the injury that Mumford's coming off of without a broken arm? I think it was. They kind of hid the second injury that he had. It was um, a gnarly broken arm, arm wrist um, before the season when his, the bike decided they didn't want to run anymore. Yeah. And he went right. cartwheeling. But then they they quietly sat him out of Oakland and didn't say that he re-injured himself. But from everything that I've heard reported, he re-injured himself. I just don't know what that injury was. Yeah, there's no. a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to that. Uh it, you just you're not gonna get a straight answer. Uh what it was, but it was something. Let's just put it that way. All right. Uh so chalk that one up for uh uh, for checkers, uh, he's already claiming it, although uh, the, the race will still determine whether or not uh, he actually gets that win. RJ Hampshire, Cameron McAdoo continue to uh, fight for sort of uh, the, the best of the rest, I suppose, for the uh, the, non, the, the non-Lawrence finishers in this uh, particular series. Checkers, I'll let you pick between these two uh, second-place combatants. Well, I mean... You have RJ Hampshire who has gotten second 
at all but the race that he cartwheeled himself at um at the triple crown so he's he's been beating McAdoo but the fact is is McAdoo was was hurting and McAdoo doesn't crash as much as RJ Hampshire um typically which is you know he's he's grown out of that a little bit where Hampshire's never changed um so I have to go with the consistency of McAdoo I also think him being back to 100 percent and a gnarly track um I think he's he's the more solid choice and I would take Cameron McAdoo on team Iowa for the win here not the win but the win over Hampshire right yeah that's that's yeah I was kind of interested to see where you're gonna go with that because um honestly they're kind of a toss-up you know they're 81 and 80 points Amshar has the benefit of one point advantage um and three seconds to uh cameron's three thirds they both have the grenade during the triple crown or, or at arlington uh yeah it was the triple crown a six and 11th um or anaheim i believe yeah anaheim um but yeah I, god this, i know i've never seen anyone get a podium and be as disappointed as cameron's been this year you know he, it seems like we, we know who he is. We know what he's been bringing, uh, the heartbreak that he's been chased down by RJ now repeatedly in, in, in three of the four rounds and is unable to hold that second spot um, while Jet just kind of wheelies away. And and he took Cam. So uh, I guess, yeah, I, I got to go RJ because he's literally done it three out of the four rounds. So why wouldn't I think he does it again? I'm excited for RJ to try and get, get, get the season wrapped up, put him on a 450 next year and, and move out of, out of this Tiddler class because uh, – I think Hampshire has a lot to option offer, and as well as Cameron, because um, the guy has more heart than we've ever seen. That 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 uh, that that Popeye army had after blowing himself up and still coming back and put in a great performance. Two of the greatest, hardest workers that uh, that push the front end like a broom. But these two are probably two of the greatest racers we've seen as far as heart, emotion, giving it all on the track. Um, but yeah, if you're going Cam, I'm going RJ. So we'll see what happens. Fair enough. Like, honestly, if if we get inclement weather, I like RJ over, um, over Cameron, uh, every, every day of the week, honestly, I think, I think that, that like, that's just him growing up in Florida and then just being able to flat flow with some things. But all that being said, nobody asked me, um, moving (laughs) on to our next one, uh, only three points separate, uh, Cooper Webb and Eli Tomac. Tomac needs himself a get right weekend or at least uh, to get back into this thing. He can't give up too many more points before uh, the end of this series. Uh, but the question is to you, Debo, who finishes, uh, who gathers most points in Seattle? Cooper Webb or Tomac? Um, well, I've been, you know, I'm ride or die with Eli. I, I busted his balls enough over the years with the, with the Lido Mac and, and saying that he was, and, and knowing that he had more to offer than he had. And he, and he proved it when he got on star last year and went out and had probably one of the best seasons of anyone in the, in uh, ever, you know, outdoor title, supercross title, donations title, and doing it with a smile on his face, seeing this whole new personality we, we see from Eli. And then on the other hand, Webb has been uh, someone, I, anytime I've, we've ever doubted him, I think Checkers and I, we all have in our text thread. When he was at Yamaha, I thought he was done. He goes to KTM, goes and wins two, two Supercross titles. Uh, last year was was just a debauchery of trying to do things on his own. Became the highest paid local uh, off-road racer in, in the history of the sport. And then comes back and, and is kicking ass again. So um, it's hard to ever count out Cooper Webb because when you do, the guy returns because he's got such a work ethic and a knowledge of racecraft, as we say time and time again. But I'm going Eli Tomac, man. He's going to come out this weekend. Um, which if he wins and, and Cooper is second, that's a three-point difference. And they are retired points and they will head to round uh the next round and with red with red, both red plates so 
I'm Eli Tomac, Seattle band. Let's go, uh, let's go ET. Yeah, you're not right on that one because here's the thing. <laughs> Ever since his crash at Anaheim 2, Eli has been a little bit tentative and a little bit off. Um, when the track was gnarly in Indianapolis, Eli Tomac wasn't there. Olito Mac was there and was rolling around in eighth. His, he's fighting this new motorcycle thing, which is so super weird to me that it's late in the season instead of early in the season. But it does make sense when the tracks get more chewed up that they're, they're fighting a little bit with the motorcycle because, I mean, it's just evident. He's always been the most solid guy in the whoops. Maybe not the absolute fastest, but the most solid. And he was getting worked by Cooper Webb in the whoops. Like, that that shouldn't be happening. And then if you look at Cooper Webb on the podium, he beat his championship rival, Eli Tomac, and he got second place, and he looked absolutely pissed off, burning fire. Eli or Cooper Webb is locked into championship mode. He is focused. And when he is like that, he is dangerous. He absolutely will not let Eli Tomac beat him. Um, he's going to be smooth, smart, not make mistakes. And Eli's not going to shut his brain off like he no needs to in Seattle to be dominating like he has there before. Um, they both are probably going to be chasing the number 23 around the track. But give me Cooper Webb over Eli Tomac to score more points and stretch his points lead on Tomac in Seattle. Yeah, the difference, between, rebuttal. the difference between Tomac and Webb is Tomac has, has always had the ability of just straight raw speed where he can drop a hammer and, and lay down a, a lap time outdoors or indoors, you know, two, two to three seconds faster. That's what we know Eli of. So if Eli is, is, is tentative, like you, you said, you know, and that, that is a, a, a distinguished or a very solid question of wondering if his crash did something to him, if his uh, discomfort of, of laying that type of uh, lap time down and, and being that uncomfortable on the bike when you got to go that fast, where Webb just is kind of the, the machine of bomb, 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 bomb. And where Tomac, you need you need those flashes of brilliance. So uh, great point, Checkers. Yeah, I, I was just elaborating on what you were saying. Yeah, I don't like I, I don't I can't reiterate this enough. I do not like when the two of you agree on anything. So if we can keep that to a bare minimum, that would be for the best. I forgot um, this this show is about animosity and proving De uh, Denny wrong. Um, <laughs> staying with checkers to, to be able to volley this one off the hop. Uh, this honestly, like when we set up these versus questions, sometimes they're easier than others. But this one might be as cut right down the middle as you could possibly have it. Uh, Christian Craig, who says he is not a rookie. Uh, which I didn't think he was either. And then same thing with uh, Adam Cincerola, who's I believe has raced even less uh, 450 races than Christian Craig uh, due to a lot of injuries uh, and all that fun stuff. Uh, although he does have a Monster Cup win. Uh, who finishes better in Seattle? Adam Cincerola or Christian Craig? Checks. You get you get the first shot at this one. Well, as much as you hate it when we agree, you're probably going to hate it even more. Um, probably about as much as I hated this question, and I'm the one that wrote it. I seriously, when I wrote it, I didn't know who I was going to pick as an answer. I'm sitting here reading it. I don't know who's going to pick it as an answer. But the one deciding factor that I've come up with is Adam Ciancerello has had knee issues. He's had shoulder issues and he has arm pump issues. And the arm pump issues on a ruddy track are a huge concern for me. I don't see him either. He's either going to ride cautious or he's going to get arm pump. And that's going to allow Craig, who's been building and getting better throughout the year. He's coming off a season best finish. Um, of sixth place, I believe. Um, he's been six, seven, building for, towards those top fives. He might finally get there um, eventually. So it's going to be more of an outdoor style track in Seattle. So give me Christian Craig and Denny. I know you hate when we agree. So good luck going the other direction. Well, um, 
Yeah, I usually call you a pussy when you when you uh, choose to uh, like. I, I could easily say right now, I'll go with I'll go with Craig and agree with you. But I uh, and I'm a Craig fan. Obviously, I I, I completely overestimated my expectations of, of, of Christian. He's been struggling on the Husky, been struggling for a 4V class. He's been getting better and better each week. But your your, your, point of, your point of using Adam C and Sorrell saying that he's going to get tight on a rutted track. Do we just not see two weeks ago on, on what you called a uh, asterisk mutter? In Indianapolis, we saw Adam Cianstrell ride his best ride of the year. So um, I don't think Adam is going to struggle in the ruts that we see we might see in Seattle. Um, I, I hate to to to, to doubt my uh, my Christian Craig guy because I've been trying to ride or die with that guy all year long. He's been riding better and better, and and he's learning. You no, know, he's been in every race. He hasn't been hurt. Neither one of them. You know, Adam missed one round. And um, and Christian has not has been there every race. And that, and that says a lot as, as you kind of figure out the bike. That I think that provides uh, a better base that they that they will both have for 2024. Um, but I'm going to go Adam C. and Sorella for Seattle because I think the rutted track we saw that him he gets way better starts. We can watch 18 hours of race day live and supercross and never even see Christian Craig. I don't even know what gear he wears. I don't even know what he could be on a pink bike on the flashing fucking pink Fox. lights with Bill Nicoletti. And we wouldn't know because he's never been talked about. There's not been an interview of him. He's literally the most invisible factory rider coming off a fucking crushing supercross title season that we've ever seen. Um, I think Paige gets more hits for talking to, to Hayden Deegan than, than Christian gets on, on fucking social media or, or race day coverage. So we're not um, even I'm going, going there. <laughs> I'm going Adam C and Sorello for, uh, for tops over Craig. And, um, and I, and I will say that reluctantly, but anytime I can just, you know, argue with checkers a little bit. And I think, yeah, I think his argument is weak because C and Sorrell's best ride was in a rutted race two weeks ago. And we're going back to the ruts, assumingly in Seattle. You look at your one race and I'll look at the rest of them. Ooh, that's a wagant line all right guys couple more uh versus questions for you uh before we get into some fantasy talk uh is one guy who happens to be on a factory back motorcycle with all the bells and whistles and another guy who is a grizzled veteran of the series who actually used to ride for that star racing yamaha team you have levi kitchen who is uh like on the rise, he's been getting better and better. Uh, although this is technically, in a lot of ways, is sort of rookie season in Supercross. Or you have a grizzled veteran in Mitchell Oldenburg. Debo, we'll let you take this thing off the hop. Well, I, that's a great stat. I don't even remember Mitchell uh, racing for Stoner. Huh? What that had be a while back, and yes, um, but he's been riding really, really well. And I know that he's a fan of Checkers, or Checkers is a fan of his. He, he takes him anytime he can, and in, in our draft games, and and uh, and he does. He's he's does. He also does it very quietly. He had a great year last year riding uh, 250 and 4D for uh, for the team. Uh, I'm a fan of his, but I think the chef, the kitchen, is 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 the future of the sport. He's kind of, I think he'll he's passing what Oldenburg is capable of at, 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 with his team. And I would throw back in Checker's face as he always throws it back at me is that he's on a better team. Uh, Star is obviously a great probably the best Hootie ride you could have. And, uh, and, and Levi Kitchen is the, is the future of the sport. I think he's proven it time and time again. He's coming up. He's a bit older, but, um, and I believe he's, he's from the area. Yeah. He's from up in that. He lives like what, 20, 10 minutes from Washington, Washington. So this is a home race for Levi and uh, I'm going chef uh, for this weekend. I, I think he'll take down older. Although I'd see them like third and fourth, third and fifth. Um, yeah. I think it's gonna be a good battle between these two guys. These are two great riders. Um, just different parts in their career at this point. Yes, very, very much different. Uh, what do you think, though, Chex? 
Well, I mean, I, I could make a lot of arguments for Levi Kitchen here being a great outdoor guy, hometown race, the star team being really good. Although I don't discount the Motor Concepts Honda team. They're a really good program and good bike yeah, that's absolutely. on par, I think, with any other of the other factory teams. Just the the star team is is definitely better. I won't argue that Kitchen is the future, but I'm certainly not going to agree with you. So I'm going to go to the fact that Mitchell Oldenburg has done he's done what I've wanted Jordan Smith to do forever, what I've wanted RJ Hampshire to do forever. Take a little bit off the top and become that solid 250 guy. Oldenburg was one of those guys. He was a Pierce Brown. Well, he's he's still pretty dang good. Um, but I guess maybe yes. not because he's not on one of the factory programs. He's on a semi-factory program. Um, but here's the deal. Uh, the results for Kitchen, he does have a win, but it was at a triple crown. He didn't win a race. Or, um, yeah, he didn't win one of the races. But he, his results are 7-21-1-4. Very, very inconsistent. I'm going to have to bank on the fact that he's going to mess up because I sure as heck am not going to agree with Denny. I'm going to go Oldenburg and I'm going to go with him being super solid, being there at the end, probably in the top five and hoping that Kitchen has another one of his off nights. Um, like so many of the 250 riders always do. So that's where we're going to go. Oldenburg smokes Kitchen because Kitchen lays on the ground. Because the kitchen's on fire. <laughs> you guys are talking about a little bit off the top. That reminds me of Denny's terrible haircut. Um, no, you look good, Denny. Uh, but all right, last versus question. Uh, somehow we have three guys in this, so maybe I get to pick one. Uh, yeah. Checkers, we'll go to you first. Robertson, Boland, or Brown. Uh, all three of these guys have uh, have harnessed the power of gravity uh, over the years, uh, but uh, all three of them seem to be sort of starting to figure this out. Oh, man. Well, I don't know about sort of starting to figure it out when you're talking about uh, Pierce Brown, but I have been hearing that he's that he's riding really well during this break, but he always goes fast and probably is always fast at the test track. The fact of the matter is, is he's he's having troubles putting it together at the racetrack. Um, he's went DNQ 585. A little bit of that, I'm sure um, it was a tailbone injury, I believe, if I recall, back at Anaheim one where he crashed and cartwheeled. And, and so he was riding a little bit hurt for the other races. So maybe that's why he's been so slow because he should be way ahead of these guys. He was third in points um, in the 250 East series last year, Voland five D and Q five, seven so far. And then Robertson nine, six, three DNS um, he, for all I've seen, he is healthy and, and good to go. Remember he did win a race at the triple crown. Um, and was really good and probably definitely I would say he was better than these guys at the first races um, this is a tough one for me because really any of them you can make an argument for but I have to go with Robertson just I think he's he got some confidence going in it and is rolling with that very confident in that answer huh so you should be able to <laughs> defeat me in the argument on this one Denny because I'm still in my head going you know what that, that, was, you. that was like I'm that gonna was open like, the door for you to go Styles because I'm gonna change it to Pierce Brown I'm gonna say that it was only because of the tailbone and he's gonna come oh out and just gosh. swing and I'm taking Pierce Brown from you see I just threw a curveball that looked like that looked like you looked like me at the dentist office right there with that choice look like you're trying to pull teeth to get an they answer out of here for choices I want Volan to um, win though so I can pick all three um, of them well <laughs> I'll, I'll say the same thing about Pierce Brown. I've said about Jack Chambers and Fantasy Supercross. I'd rather marry a monster girl than fucking take Pierce Brown for anything. <laughs> He's your Jordan <laughs> Smith, huh? <laughs> that guy, that guy, uh, man, I, I, I've never seen somebody, one guy fucking <laughs> just piss away at stupid good results and crash. Just 
And I'm trying to be positive. And we're making a more positive show this week. <laughs> but when it comes to Pierce Brown, that's a whole new level to that. And uh, the fact that he got a tiered contract kind of blows my mind. I'm but, positive about something with Pierce Brown. He'll probably hit the ground. Yeah, it's positive that, uh, you know, it's tough sport, man. And, I, and I'm not, you know, he's a great rider, got a great opportunity. But uh, we've been waiting for him to try and kind of pull his head off his ass and get something done solid consistently. And we haven't seen it. And uh I know that uh, Will Hahn doesn't watch his, doesn't listen to our show, but he'll 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 complain and go. He's only 19, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I'm a big fan of Silas Robertson. Uh, we moved over from Husky to the Star Team. Uh, I think when we did our first little draft game, that I, I was very I, I had higher expectations from him, and he's done good. He's got a ninth, a sixth, and a third, and then uh, a little banged up. Uh, didn't start that last fourth round in Oakland, but. Um, I'm a big fan of his. I think that he's on a, the right team. He's on the right direction. I, I'm not a fan of the Husky 250 team and uh, bikes. I think they they handle like shit in the whoops. We we can't see those guys get to the track. Uh, Max Fullen obviously didn't qualify. I, I was a little hard on him. He's getting better and better. Uh, I'll be shocked to see if he's going to stay with KTM next year or something different. But uh, when it comes to Seattle, I'm going Styles Robertson. I don't even know if I say his name first name correctly, but Styles. It's Styles. Styles. I like Connor Styles. It's never been Styles. Stylus sounds cooler, man. I think uh, maybe you should change that. <laughs> it's not like a stylus that you use on like an iPad like 10 years yeah. ago. It's styles. Stylus. I think that's, that's what got way more hilarious. So, um, I'm, if I'm gonna, he was, gonna... if he was a male model, he would be stylus, but he's not. <laughs> I think he was in uh, a, a Ben Stiller movie one time. <laughs> yeah, that is the, yeah. Uh, um, Zoolander three. No, that one, that yeah. one went straight to video. Yeah, blue steel. <laughs> yeah, blue steel. Uh, I'll be all right. So that means you're stuck with Volan then. Yeah, I will go with Volan. I and then and like oh. just like I say every year or every week for uh the uh Moto Extreme, uh I like or uh or MXD three sixty. I'm right. Volan Volan's gonna get uh third place this weekend. You guys just watch and watch wait and see. Yeah, um, give me on the podium. That sounds about right. Yeah. Right yeah. He, he won't know what to say because he, he hasn't happened. It hasn't happened for him yet. So um, yeah. yeah, it'll be the first time we get to see a podium interview from him uh, and it'll just blow your wigs back. It'll be a really exciting thing. And we'll, we'll get to talk about it when we come back here. All right. Last call boys. Let's uh, like predictions from these absolutely slobbering idiots is something that we, we cherish greatly uh checkers uh my question to you is sexton actually uh still in this title at all uh 17 points back is uh is quite the tall task uh with only eight rounds to go um well i mean he was my title pick coming into this and as uh as clinton fowler verified for me and and that i thought it's happened one time in 20 years and Stu did it so um technically Tomac kind of came back and got to the points lead after round 15 um but typically the guy leading after round uh number 10 goes on to win your title except for Stu but here's the deal I picked Sexton at the beginning of the year I've been driving it home that he's not eliminated he's still the fastest guy so I'm going to drive this ship wide open until it completely hits the iceberg and sinks all the way under the under the ocean but right now we're still alive baby we have a mathematical chance and honestly I still believe that he can get it done but it is getting harder and harder um I thought it was very realistic that it could get done after last weekend it's going to be tough this one but it's it's a bold prediction and I'm going to stay right on that ship and keep on going yeah, just going down to the Titanic. Uh, I didn't know that you were uh, drinking this heavily prior to the show. Otherwise, <laughs> we wouldn't have gone live. 
Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think he's um, 17 points is a lot. Like he, lot. he, it, the, his, his destiny is not in his own hands at this point. He needs some help from the other two. Uh, not to say that's completely outside the realm of possibilities, but uh, Debo, you can weigh in as well, but I, I think it's uh, this one's cooked. We got, a, we got a two horse race now. Oh yeah. I mean, I can appreciate checkers. Um, you know, he did, he said Saxon was his title favorite at the beginning of the season. He's going to ride it out. And, and even he said that, you know, that it wasn't done. And had he not jumped on that red cross flag, we'd be looking at a 10 point difference instead of 17 points and uh, a whole entirely different game, but um, yeah, ride or die Tomac and Webb. If you were trying to make up 17 points on one rider, I can understand because there's always that chance of mistake. Like we saw from AP and we've seen for you from chase. Um, but yeah, making up 17 points, uh, what 13 or 14 and, and then 17 on, on Tomac and Webb. Not with those two machines, those, those two are champions. They know how to win titles. They're not going to fucking piss away this thing. It's, I mean, it's it was two- very likely though, last weekend that, that Sexton was not that far from being able to catch and pass AP. He wasn't going to get it done but it wouldn't have taken that much circumstance to put AP also between them. So when you say it's against two riders, that can work in his favor because they can be flip-flopping, stealing points from each other. Plus you have the Barsha and the Roxon or the Aaron Plessinger or the Jason Anderson that can get in between them. And a first to fifth is a lot of points. You can make up a lot in one night. And keep in mind, we're going into Seattle could be a complete mutter. Anything can happen there. One of those guys can have a DNF and all of a sudden the points lead. He He's ahead of them in points when he leaves there. And then we have outdoor venues with Atlanta too. So you cannot say that he's completely out of this thing. You just, it's not likely, but he's going to get it done. Move on. I'm tired of your, your rhetoric. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Debo, three riders, three results. Give me your your best finish in a race for the following riders and uh yeah and and, and who's going to get what uh christian craig ac or justin hill or otherwise known as jew hill jew hill that's how we got him on all the uh all my fantasy uh leagues because we, we we can't put jay hill because there's two of them so he's jew and the other one's joe and uh Justin's doing great. I cannot be happier for him. Uh, AC, it's just nice to see him back, right, putting in some solid results. Uh, Craig is the one I, I believe in. It's the one I've started with the prior season. I'm still waiting for a top five. I had eight of them. I'm still 0 for 8. Uh, I was five for top eights now, and I think he's got three of those down, or maybe four now. Um, I'm still on the Craig train. I think he's going to have the best finish. I, I really think I think it's capable for either Craig or AC to get a top five. I don't see Justin quite getting a top five yet. His seventh last weekend was, was, was fantastic and a great ride. And he's becoming more and more comfortable on that, on that Husky or that KTM. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm still Christian Craig on the Husky. I think he's going to get, I think he has a fourth or a fifth. If he get a start, man, we, if he just get us, if he could, Craig could get one of AC starts. I think he would do better than AC has with his starts. If that makes sense. I like sense. that start he got at Daytona when he got dropped by Hampshire, huh? Yeah, Daytona's just Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> I want Daytona. It doesn't take nothing. <laughs> that that is really is saying something. Denny does have a uh, a Daytona trophy. I think you need to like help hold that high above your head when we do ever do this uh, this yep. show. Uh, checkers, who is going to be? the the king of privateer island who's going to be like the king julian of uh of, of privateer island we have some actually some really good standout rides that we've had and some guys who have kind of come out of the woodwork that you wouldn't normally expect to be as dominant or as as consistent as they have been uh moran's has been really good bloss has been really good 
Um, but uh, who's going to be the, the best finisher or the top privateer when the dust settles at the final round in St. and uh, Salt Lake City? Well, I mean, Benny Bloss has a has a lead of nine points back to Moran's and then everybody else kind of follows up. Yeah, um, just a few points kind of behind him for the most part. And Bloss definitely will have the best finish of any of the privateers, I would say. But the fact of the matter is, it's just showing up to the races and finishing the races is is really tough for him. So when he does get points, he gets them in a big hole, but then he doesn't doesn't even get points at other times. I think Very high loads. <laughs> and yeah. and Moranza's really, really kind of went from a bubble main event guy to a solid main event guy most weekends. And once he's in the mains, man, he rips. He, he puts so much effort into it to finish the races. It's really, really impressive. I've been super impressed with Grant Harlan. I like the dude a lot. I didn't expect the, these results from him really at all. And I still haven't even convinced myself that he's like a really good 450 supercross rider yet. Like I, I, I don't know why, just I've never looked at him that way. And he, I haven't made that transition yet. Um, no, agreed. But I'm not going to go with any of those guys. Um, I can't go with Clayson because he can't quit crashing this year. But I'm going to go with Justin Starling, who I think is finally back healthy again. And he's the most talented rider of this whole group. Um, if he put in a little bit more like work ethic, I think he could be a really, really good rider. But the fact of the matter is he's extremely solid, extremely smooth. And now that he's back completely healthy, um, I think he's going to go on a run towards the front of all these guys and will be the king of Privateer Island when we're done. Yeah, you can knock down some top top 15, maybe 15, 14th or 12th uh, on a really, really good night. Uh, Debo. Dean Wilson, not yet gotten a top 10. Uh, I was very tempted to pick him in uh, our Survivor game uh, this weekend. Uh, I didn't pick Justin Hill either, uh, but I'm glad that I didn't pick either one of those guys because Dean Wilson was uh, outside. Uh, he's well outside the top 10. Uh, 21st was his last uh, was his last finish. But uh, what's, his, what's going to be his best finish uh, before the end of the season? He's currently sitting 11th in points. Well, to go back just to the last question, because I always like saying this whenever I hear his name, but Cartwright, table for four. Cartwright. <laughs> Cartwright. That's a Seinfeld episode that uh, yes. every time I hear his name and a uh, great writer. Anyways, uh, Dean Wilson. Yeah, man, I take him every other week. Like I, he is my go-to on Mono Extreme 360com I take him every other week because he was literally uh, ninth in points last week before uh, his crash, which I... Uh, which caused the whole red cross flag. He was going backwards on the track. Sex jumped on the red cross, lost seven points. So uh, Wilson was, uh, even though he uh, finished 21st, he's managed to make him put himself in the, in the storyline again. And yet again, he was in 10th. He was 10th. He was right there for 10 point bonus on, on, on the fantasy league and to put himself up there. Um, it seems it's, it's crazy because the season started with him with a 14th followed up with a 14th. And we, as writers have slowly been, leaving the series, you know, riders who were beating him. Now the riders who were behind him, the Hill brothers are now beating him. So um, there's really no rhyme or reason to Dean, but he gave a very honest and explanation on Pope, uh, you know, recently. And uh, we talked about his anxiety. I mean, he, he had a horrific injury, which I don't even want to discuss since what he went through and, and, uh, and whatnot. And he is, uh, I think we're all Dean Wilson fans. He brings a lot to the sport. I don't think I've ever seen anyone uh, develop more of a Scottish accent as he lived here. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> From Calgary. <laughs> Fuck's but uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, when I was an agent, I tried to work, work for him and stuff. I know his mom and his dad and him and a uh, big fan of Dean, but 
you know, I think he's just kind of riding out this contract right now and, and, and not pushing things over the limit because when you're lining up, as he said on the gate and, uh, and has some type of fear factor that he's carrying each, each and every race, I think you can kind of see it in his results. And uh, so to go back at his top result, um, I think he's capable of, uh, I think he's capable of like a seventh or eighth right there with where Justin finished last weekend, Justin got a seventh, Justin Hill. Um, he's capable of that, but I don't know if he can, <clears throat> he can get over the hump of the mental wall that he's dealing with right now, which um, dirt bikes are fucking gnarly, man. They'll hurt you. They'll put you on the ground. They're a cruel mistress. as We've talked about a million times. Uh, I hope Dean can get over that because he's going to go race world supercross this, this, this next season. Um, and then he might be done with the sport, but he's already brought a lot to it. And I know he's, he's got what, two 11 two 12, three 12. Uh, I, I think the best we can see Dean is maybe a ninth and I'm hoping he gets a ninth. And I hope he breaks that top 10 barrier because uh, he's capable of it and he deserves to at least get that before he wraps up his supercross career. Completely agree. Uh, and I would love to see it because I'd like to pick him in supercross survivor so that I can continue <laughs> to survive. Um, I, I honestly, I, I, I lose more sleep over that game than I do actual fantasy. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to get to that a little bit later down the show, but now it is time to debate with Debo uh, and a gentleman who often puts his foot in his mouth and argues points and then goes back on him on himself and sometimes proves himself wrong, which is always something that I am absolutely blown away by. Uh, we consistently debate with Debo and it's a good thing that you're sitting down right now, Denny, because you are Mitch Payton, which is fitting. Um, you're hiring five guys for your 250 team next year with an unlimited budget. Who are you hiring for a two-year contract in the 250 class? Um, that's a great question. I think we would all like to have that. You know, I think um, anytime we see the uh, the Powerball go over a billion dollars, we all go, "Hmm, what would we do with that if we won that?" You know, and I would great Supercross big... for a hundred years, right? Well, I broke. Have a plan for that. That's another show altogether. But uh, a big fan of Mitch Payton. He's he was a big supporter of me. Did a lot for me over the years uh, through Supercross, Arena Cross. Uh, always uh, with my dad and him, we're, we're good friends and put me uh, on some great, fantastic dirt bikes. Um, but for the five riders, I would go with obviously the Lawrence brothers. I'm going to assume that they're going to be moving out as they should. The club. So that leaves me with two for sure off the top of my head. I'm going to go with Nate Thrasher and Hayden Deegan. Um, Thrasher is fine his way in the sport. Deegan is the future of the sport. I'll say that again. Um, I would like to for Mitch to steal Chance Hymas. I think Chance Hymas has. Uh, unlimited little uh, ability and skill set. I think that we're just seeing, and I'm so disappointed that Lars pulled pulled him off the track, and that's just out of the East region. So we're gonna jump over to the West real quick, and I'm gonna go with. Um, I would love to go with Levi Kitchen. I think that he was is, is somebody who has a lot to offer as well, and uh, and then I would like to see Enzo Lopes put himself on a factory bike and see what he's capable of. When JJR brought him over the first time from Brazil. Uh, I, I think he was a little bit over his head and we've seen Enzo grow and grow and grow. So I think we have three substantial riders with great results and two that are growing in, in Enzo and Chance Hymas. So um, that would be my five-man team. Thrasher. One of, one of the things that didn't get pointed out though, Denny, is that it's SX and motocross and Enzo Lopes is electing not even to ride outdoors. Um, so you sure you want to go that direction? I would rather yeah. be in, in, uh, Brazil than do outdoors too. Hey, I would, yeah, I, I, I'm assuming if I'm Mitch, I, I hired him that I get to hang out down in Brazil for a couple of weeks. Um, I spent three weeks in Brazil shooting crusty demons, uh, a couple of weeks and 
let me tell you it was worth hiring angel lopes <laughs> well let me let me just put, put it this way um you went with all those kids and when they're all sitting on the sidelines, just like this year. Mitch can pick up his phone and he can call up that old man Blos again to get him another top five. Yeah, and then maybe you should also ring up Mitchell Oldenburg as well with his unlimited budget. Or yeah. Max Anstey, because the solid old guys will still be there to get it done when those kids are all crashing out. At least you didn't say Jordan Smith. Yeah, no, uh, Max Anstey is a good choice too. Um, um, being from England, but yeah, uh, three weeks in Brazil will be wetter, better than the UK. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of no uh, hiring uh, teams, I guess we can probably move on to that Moto Extreme time. Yeah, it's time to talk about uh, fantasy, and we can't talk about Moto Moto X Dream 360.com, MXD360.com, without talking about the results of this last week when yours truly, Brad Gebhardt, Mr. Big MX Radio himself, beat down Mr. Checkers. I might have only beaten one person in my league, but I beat somebody who's been kicking my ass all year long. Have a nice slice of humble pie, Chris Riesenberg. Uh, you were defeated by the lowly Brad Gebhardt from Big MX Radio in a game that I'm not even sure know how to play. Thank you very much. Hold your applause. I can see your tears right now. If I If you had a 4K camera right now, I, I know you'd just be overcome with emotion and sadness and rightfully so, because you got your ass kicked by me in a game that Denny designed and neither of us know how to play. My fiance kicked both of our asses. And I know that. Too, so screw you. She held it down for the house and the family and we're we pretty much one. So you still didn't beat me. And if you look at the points overall, um, I'm beating both of you guys. So screw you. And if you set it up so that I can share my screen, I can show everyone the results um, here, Fuck. or I could show our teams when we when we move on to them. But I'm gonna go ahead and get to the okay, overall results, which we have the the league uh, leader. I believe my brother is actually in chat now, and he still holds the red plate, trying to get that Stormy Conda CRF 110. Yeah, he uh, beat me this weekend too, in our head to head. He also knocked you out of head to head. Um, but it's pretty much the only thing he can beat me at now too. Just like Denny's always wrong, so is he. Um, but overall, let's see in the league. I'm sitting 14th in the Big MX Radio League and 68th overall. Um, I see Danny down here and uh, behind me because he's not as good and terrible. Uh, terrible. 14th in the big, or uh, sorry about that, 17th in the Big MX League, 97th overall. And then I go all the way to the bottom and still not in last place again. Brad, you held it down for another week in 24th out of 25 and 157th overall is Big MX Radio's Brad Gebhardt. So. That's where we're sitting in standings, but we're going to go ahead and pick some teams, I think, here, Brad, for this week and highlight some riders and that side of things. And I can now pull up the list on the screen. So, Denny, if you want to start with the 250 class, go Well, ahead. first of all, i just like to talk about my my team last week, um, which, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I had Jordan Smith. <laughs> I had Aaron Plessinger. <laughs> Uh, if, if I would just stick with my Thursday team that we that we picked together, I would crush it. I had Hunter Lawrence. I did. I had, and then I I I, I see Lance Koba show up at uh, this that round, and uh, so I'm like, okay, I could take him for you know nearly free seven dollars <laughs> and open up my entire gift box of riders. And so I changed everything around. Um, you know, I had Craig and AC who were available to be hot and got 10 point bonuses for both of them. And then I took Norrin who got a 19th and then, uh, God, man, it was just, I, I, 
I, we have a new head-to-head game that we're playing March Madness uh, with NXT, and I, I'm playing. I was playing against our friend Matt Biden, X Games legend, Dirty Backflipper, and I was beating him by one point. And then Plessinger went down, and all my dreams went to hell. So uh, I apologize, Aaron, for taking you on the team. I did not mean to put the uh, the, the MXT curse upon you. And George Smith, you know where that goes. So we are on a new team that we got to West. Uh, our, our game is always you can't take uh, can't take the same riders back to back weekends. By opening it up to the West round, we are all available to take anyone and everyone from the West. Uh, if you can afford them, this is your time to go for it. Um, obviously, Jet is is very expensive. Hampshire and McAdoo are, are right there with it. I think. I think Mitchell Olderberg is a great deal. I think Levi Kitchen's a great deal. Uh, Matt Moss is still very affordable. He only has one race under his belt. He is uh, not in the U.S. Moss. He is not. No, he is out of the country right now. He's not racing this weekend. Unless not. he gets on a flight yeah. right All now. Right, well then, He's been riding the Yamaha down in Australia. So uh, Jesus, man, so many things changed. I I, I did, had not heard this, and so uh, yeah, I, I admit my ignorance on that one. Uh, Barex have had some uh, changes. So yeah, no Matt Moss, uh, Dylan Walsh has had very consistent results. Cole Thompson has a very hot wife. So he mean, I would take him just for that. And then uh, Carson yeah. is looking for a solid result, which uh, I think is he's capable of possibly running top 10. Um, this entire West round is, is, is kind of new. Just looking back. Um, I will send you guys out a, a cheat sheet that shows all the results. It's something I think you guys got to see. Cause I think once you see, uh, some of these results, I think Anthony Rodriguez is a great uh, is a, is a great uh, deal. Hunter Yoder, Mitchell Harrison is capable of running top ten. This two fifty West is wide open. Who would you take, either one of you, first right now? All right. Well, I have my team hired already. I'm seeing a oh. lot of red. I have Mumford, yeah. Rodriguez, Yoder, and Harrison. They're all pretty cheap. They're all in around the same price point, and I think at least one of those guys is going to be in the top 10 to get the bonus. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value here in this 250 class looking at it. Um, I really – actually, I'm going to go ahead and just pick my team while we're at it since since Brad gave me his. I am going to – I'm going to start down in the hot stuff and and try to maybe save a little money for the the 450 class, but I have to – I'm going to go Robbie Wageman. I think he is – he was so good last year. Um, I'm hoping that the break did him well, and I'm, he's he's cheap for the for a guy that could potentially get a tenth place finish. Um, and then, I mean, I think that Max Voland is super cheap because he could do super well. Pierce Brown, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on that train, and I'm probably gonna be frustrated, but he's so dang cheap. How can you not do it? A guy that could potentially get a third or fourth place, and it wouldn't be a surprise. Um, and then I think I agree. Levi Kitchen is also a, a super good value. So I'm going to go for a bunch of, you know, basically fourth through sixth value with, with that group um, and, and go look at the 450 class. Otherwise you would catch me going with uh, Mitchell Oldenburg, I think would be the other guy that, that I would really look at. Um, and I might, I might swap that out if I can save some money. I haven't looked at the 450 class yet because they're solid. And I'm, I'm worried about spending a ton of money on an RJ Hampshire or a Cameron McAdoo and them not getting it done. Um, and Jet Lawrence is just such a big spend. So right now, at least that's that's where I'm looking um, on my team and something to look at. Don't forget that Politelli's now had a little more time on the 250. Um, I've been riding that train all year. Um, if you need like a really cheap guy, kind of a filler guy that hopefully will at least make the main event. Um, or don't overlook Dylan Schwartz, I would say. Um, 
Schwartz was starting to get better at Supercross as that as the West is going on. So he's not a fantastic Supercross rider, but if the track's more of an outdoor condition um, and maybe they do a little easier build, so it's more of an outdoor style track, Schwartz would be someone to look at. Going over to the uh, the 450s, um, I'll go first on this one, actually. And um, as I'm taking a is. look at it, again, there's still the big group in the middle of guys that are that are injured. But the key here, too, is that both AC and Christian Craig are no longer red on the screen. But you know who is red and not red for me this week is Justin Hill. So you can about bet that I'm going to be all over that pick. Um, I think that the top 10s continue. Um, I see you have Sealy slotted in here at 200,000. Um, I think you did actually a really good job slotting him in the salary right there. I don't know why yeah. it says he's number 114 and not 160, but um, – Oh, maybe I didn't know his number at the time, so I just put that in there. He, oh, he right wasn't on. yet officially on the entry list, so yeah, I uh, I he was 14 in the past, so I just had 114. So Actually, number 200 would have been more accurate because I think that's the number he ran for uh, Fun City Suzuki back in the day. Fun Center yeah, yep. Suzuki's, yep, fun, fun Bike Center. That's what it was. Fun Bike Center. Um, fun Fun. Looking towards the top, though, I mean, you got to look at Roxon and or Barsha, but I think definitely Barsha's good as he's been riding. Um, with a chance of rain, Barsha, Plessinger, they're they're probably my locks. I don't think I'm going up to the top line here with Webb, Tomac, or Sexton with any of my picks. Um, again, unless I have the extra budget, but if I have the extra money, I'm gonna try to get Jet Lawrence back in the 250 class because I think he's more of a guaranteed win. Where you know, you spend a lot of money on Webb, Tomac, or Sexton, and they can win or they can get third or fourth, you know. So, um, those are the guys that that really stand out to me. Um, you have Clayson's, if he can stay up, he's been riding really, really well. So he's a guy, um, and fast Freddie Noren, if you want to ride that train and hope he gets in the main event, he's had some good main event results at the beginning of the year. Um, and he rides outdoor stuff, stuff really, really well. So what about you guys? What are you, what are you looking at? My 450 class, I'm going Sexton, Anderson, Cian Cerullo and Sealy. um, spreading things out pretty evenly there. Leaves me with about ninety thousand dollars to play with, but uh, I honestly, it's such, it's such the funny thing about this game is that you see that that ninety grand there, and you feel like you need to spend it elsewhere. But um, not that I should be anybody who's giving advice on this game, but uh, a lot of times, like if these are the guys I think are going to do well with the money that I can spend, I just set it and forget it uh, without having to try and like kind of work things around too much uh, and trying to find crazy amounts of value because then I can, I've literally talked myself out of getting decent scores. Brad, you, uh, you nailed the, the, the nail on the head on that one. Um, there's, I do the exact same thing and I, I, I create this, this silly game and I I'm a big uh, believer in trying to spend all my money, which doesn't mean that you're going to get the most out of those riders. There's a lot of value in, in less than that. And, uh, I currently have $130,000 left and I'm trying to figure out where to put it. And especially it's really tough in the four B class. There's a huge gap you know, with riders who are injured right now, who are just sitting right there in the middle, uh, Ferrandis, Nichols, Savachi, Cooper, who are out for the year, but yet they take up, you know, four spots and, and about $200,000 gap to get back down to that next group. So um, for the record, they're not break. injured. They're choosing not to race to them. Yeah, injured not to race. And they got a, <laughs> they got a red cross next to their name, just to tell you, uh, for those of us sitting at home, don't take them because they're not racing. That's just kind of my way of, of saying don't do it. But yeah, I'm, I got both Hill brothers available. So I'm, I'm going with both of them this weekend. It's a home race. I love the value of Barsha and Roxon. 
they are uh, capable of two to fourth and fifth riders. Like you said, going, uh, spend a type of money on Webb and Tomac, who knows what you're going to get out of them. Whereas Jet in the four, 250 class, you know, you're probably going to get 26 points. I don't have him because I don't have the type of money to get to him. But I believe in Dylan Walsh. I think he's been a pretty solid top 10 rider. I'm going all red in the 250 class as of right now. I got Anthony Rodriguez, Same. Yoder, Yoder, and Harrison, I think are a great value. Um, like I said, I have $130,000 left, and I'm not really even sure where I where I can make that move to jump I'd up. like to actually ask for the check. Yeah. I, I, like, people had asked, you know, there was a consideration of if, if you have money left over for one week, can you carry it over into your next round, which uh, which obviously would bring a whole other game and uh, a whole other style, style of database. But uh, uh, just getting the check would be nice as well. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind 90 grand. That would help out the Big MX Radio uh, right. empire to build um uh, but yeah the, like, guys i like it it would be like ba- it would be like baby doll dollars you don't get them at a strip club <laughs> damn it that was actually the case this is a completely unrelated topic um up here in in canada we have something called canadian tire which is a like a retail store they have like all kinds of crap um it's kind of like a like i don't know almost like a target but it's like mostly automotive stuff and they used to give you back your change in Canadian tire money. And they would literally have like 25 cents, 50 cents, 100 cents Canadian tire money. And then you used to be able to go to American strip clubs and you'd be like flashing hundreds. I'm not even kidding. This is actually something that really happened where you'd be like flashing $100 Canadian bills and, and strippers would go absolutely nuts for like 100 cents Canadian tire money. <laughs> Well, we used to race in Niagara Falls and we'd run over the uh, we'd run over the border into Canada and go to the Sundowner. And uh, yeah, I've never been to too many Canadian strip clubs where they're throwing coins on the stage because obviously uh, the Canadian dollars is is a coin like a toonie and the loony. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you're hearing change hitting the, 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 the stage, you're like, where am I right now? I'm clearly in Canada. <laughs> yeah, our smallest bill is a five. It's totally weird. Uh, yeah, we got rid of the two in. Oh, I was pretty. I was pretty young. Uh, and yeah, we all we have is the five, and they're also all different colored monies too. I don't have my wallet with me right here, but yeah, it's there. We have like our our fives blue. The ten is purple. The green. <laughs> uh, the the twenty is green. Fifties red, and our hundreds are brown and. If they're brand new, they smell like maple syrup. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Well, oh, yeah, that is. Uh, I'm glad they we do. have a committee on board here to explain that. It's yeah. When, when I used to race all race around the world, and uh, yeah, money is such a such a cartoon thing of the differences, and uh, from the Australians to the Germans to uh, you know, yeah, and now and the Canadians were very always very unique, and uh, you you just set yourself apart. Well done. <laughs> yeah i like it I'll, I'll i'll dm you guys some canadian cash it'll look some it'll look funny but uh i, I think uh i like checkers team that i like he doesn't have as much red as i do but he's also not rolling the dice as much as i do i am um i like your team checks not gonna that. lie i don't know about that because i have pierce brown on my team which is considerably rolling the dice and honestly levi kitchen still hasn't found consistency in supercross i can actually kind of hate my team but <laughs> If I if okay. I blow it up, then I'm gonna regret it because I've been doing the Thursday team thing as long as somebody doesn't get injured or whatever on the during practice. It does well, yeah. So I, I think we should I, always think, we should always stick with our Thursday teams. I I, I I know for a fact that mine get worse as the week goes on. <laughs> yeah, I want to do a little bit of math just because I think I have a lot of middle value in my team, but I don't have a, a top heavy hitter guy that 
will likely win the race. So I have to do a little math in my head and see if this is my Thursday team or if I'm going to do another one. But um, for now, that's what it is. And that's where it is for the show. So this team will likely beat you guys this week. Um, well done. Thanks everyone for tuning in. It was a, it was a really good show. Sorry. We went a little bit longer, but uh, there's just a lot to discuss between recapping last week. And then we had to whole new fresh set of riders for this week to talk about with 250 West finally coming back. Absolutely. Uh, two hours and change on the, uh, the big MX radio Seattle pregame show. Uh, thank you guys so much for making some time. Thanks for everybody. who taking the time to watch. Um, subscribe share with others so that we can continue to grow this and have even more conversation in the chat uh we're going to continue to try and grow this um yeah thanks for watching hit that notification bell so you never miss a single episode uh yeah get after it go riding uh get yourself some race tech suspension stuff even if you don't win this and like i said earlier uh we are running that contest for a free gold valve hit uh on twitter all you have to do is plead your case tag the three of us and uh yeah make, make your case as to why you should be the winner and we will announce it here in one week's time thursday at 8 p.m central um same bat time same bat youtube channel uh appreciate the two of you boys making some time for me today and uh yeah we'll uh we're looking forward to seattle supercross Absolutely. Much love and respect to both of you. Uh, enjoy both of you. Uh, we bring a lot to the table. And uh, fuck checkers. I haven't said it all night, but uh, <laughs> so much so for the positivity. Always good. Always good. But pure, pure positivity. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you to Ian. Thank you to Ben. Thank you to followers who uh, listen to us and pay attention. It's, uh, it, it doesn't go uh, unappreciated. Absolutely. Take care. <laughs>